I was like, oh, we're, we're going to play three at the back. This is definitely going to happen. You're like, oh, this is not going to happen. You would have said, said, you said, you would have said, you oh, would, would three at the back suit yeah. us? In fairness, I would have said, well, Kenny never played three at the back. It's it will never, happen. never, never happen. OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Half past seven, Friday morning. You're very welcome along to OTB AM. Owen, how are you getting on? Good, Adrian. How are things? Flying it, thanks. You've been busying yourself up in Belfast and I've really enjoyed your uh, coverage from the various topics and various guests that you had uh, over the last few days and more of that to come. But it turns out you should have been at the opposite end of the country on over the last few days. And big developments overnight for anybody who's just waking up. Good morning to you, first of all. Get the coffee in, because we have a busy one for you this morning. Some um, developing news, let's call it, from Cork last night on the uh, situation around the uh, playing of the Munster semi-final between Kerry and Cork. A statement from the players and the management last night on the Cork side saying, as players and management, our sole focus is on preparing and playing to play uh, playing to the best of our ability next month in the Munster Championship, representing our families, our clubs and our county. We did not envisage needing to issue this statement. Cork and Kerry have long had an agreement in place to decide home and away fixtures. This year's fixture is a home game for Cork, as initially announced in a press release by Munster GA on the 4th of March. We believe the decision made this week by Munster Council must be reversed. That decision, of course, was to move the game to Killarney uh, because Ed Sheeran is playing Porky Cueve and Porky Ring is too low of an attendance. So, the statement goes on. The decision to take the game to Killarney is driven by the financial benefits resulting from a larger crowd. We feel this reasoning sets a bad precedent. It is wrong and it goes against all the values of the Gaelic Athletic Association. As such, we are preparing for the Munster football semi-final on the 7th of May 2022 to be played in Porky Ring. We will not be playing the match in any other venue. Regards, the Cork Senior Football Players and Management. That is a flex if I have ever seen a flex because they have just now sent this into overdrive and it's a line in the sand from which you cannot come back. Somebody here is going to have to lose face. Somebody's going to have to give way and it's hard to see um, it's going to have to be any anybody other than Munster GEA. This is officially a saga at this point and uh, it's been referred to as Parky Rin or Nowhere. I've got problems with that for two reasons. First of all, there's no alliteration there. Anybody who's got any better names for this to catch your name than Parky Rin or Nowhere, please get in touch. And second of all, it's not really... It's kind of similar to Newbridge or Nowhere, but there's a lot of differences to Newbridge or Nowhere. I was just looking back through the, the timeline of events this morning and going back through things chronologically, which kind of gives you a good sense of, of, of how things developed and how quickly things have developed this week. It's gone from... Uh, uh, saying it's a non-story would actually be giving it too much of, of, of credit in terms of how much people are talking about this. It's gone from something that was below a non-story to something that's blown up quite a bit this week. So if you go through the, the, the yeah. chronological events of, of Parky Rin or Nowhere, which is the current working title of this saga. So uh, on February the 1st is when Cork GEA confirm the fixture moves. So the fixtures that were initially set for Parky Cueve. Cork versus Clare and Hurling would move to Semple Stadium and Cork versus Kerry and Football would move to Parky Rin. The decision was accompanied by a statement at the time they say the relevant capacity will allow us to meet the demand for tickets from all Cork supporters and that the management of both the hurling and football teams have been consulted throughout the process. The comprehensive fixture list for 2022 makes the best and most practical use available of facilities owned by Cork GEA during what will be an extremely busy period for Parky Cueve. After the Cork game against Limerick, 
on the 17th of April in the hurling, the stadium switches to concert mode, they say, to facilitate the series of concerts by Ed Sheeran. Then there's nothing for a while. That was done mm. and dusted. People were making plans to go to Parky Rin and that was that. What was interesting was that there were still obviously county board meetings happening that weren't being reported on. We didn't know the details. But Michael Moynihan had a good detail in a piece earlier this week where he said last month Kevin O'Donovan made the, the following comment in a county board meeting. For a semi-final this year, with Cork facing challenging times in football, a judgment call was made and we said the team would have to come first in this one. Us sending a young team to Killarney after last year's results was considered and I would be strongly of the view that Cork will be welcoming Kerry to Parky Rin with all guns blazing. So this idea of moving the game to Killarney was considered before yeah. this week and Cork GEA made a decision at that point, no, we want to play this game at home. Then March 24th, yesterday week, Kerry's Eye lead with a headline that says, still TBC. And that's the first point where people are like, oh, hold on, mm. what's going on here? On Sunday then, the examiner are getting similar information. They say recent meetings of the Munster Council have strongly favoured moving the May 7th game to Kerry with Cork likely to get an extra home game against Kerry in future provincial championships to compensate for losing a home game this year. And then more from the examiner on Tuesday. They say an ability to address structural issues at Parky Rin in time for Cork's clash with Kerry could see the game being moved to Fitzgerald Stadium. It is forecasted that remedial work required to ensure a capacity crowd at the grounds is unlikely to meet a deadline ahead of the fixture and therefore a switch to Killarney is on the cards. They say Parky Rin's previous capacity is below 11,400, but it could be even less due to safety restrictions. Munster GEA's Competition Control Committee are shortly expected to confirm the change of venue. They also say, as was the case when Parky Cueve was under construction, Cork's entitlement to a home game as per their home away agreement with Kerry will be deferred and therefore the following two provincial senior games between Kerry will be played in Parky Cueve. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. But there is uh, more then uh, on Tuesday afternoon. There was that letter that was sent into Cork footballers to the county board. They call for consistency. They say we have looked at several possible options. Affirmed the fixture for Parky Rin, refused to play in Killarney, refixed the game in Parky Cueve for an alternative later date, temporarily scrapped the home and away arrangement for one year and fixed the game for a neutral venue, home and away to resume next year with a home game in Cork. It is important that we argue our case strongly. Munster cannot just change a venue with six weeks to go. So that was Tuesday when that letter was mm. published anyway, when details of that letter were published by the examiner between the footballers to the county board, imploring them to dig their heels in and ask for Parky Rin. But as we know, Wednesday and then, of course, and say yesterday morning, the news develops that Munster GEA confirmed the game will be moved from Parky Rin to Killarney. And then, as you say, last night's statement kind of is a, is a little bit of a nuclear moment on this. They said a Cork and Kerry have long had a, an arrangement in place to decide home and away fixtures and on the statement goes. We believe the decision must be reversed. They also said the decision to take the game to Killarney is driven by financial benefits resulting from a larger crowd. So that is where we stand at the moment. Something's got to give if that fixture is going to take place on May the 7th, I suspect. Um, something absolutely has to give and loads of name suggestions coming in as to what we should call it. We'll come to those in a few minutes if you've got any ideas, lash them into us. The idea that the players are talking about it being a purely financial play, of course it is. Like I don't think anybody's trying to dress it up as anything else. Like The um, statement says that it goes against the values of the GEA. Like it was just over a year ago that Tom Ryan uh, I have a sense that he was down in Cork at that time but I remember the, the statement where he was talking about Cork GA being in, the de- in debt to the tune of 31.5 million 
euro, that 20 million of that was going to run over the long term. Um, that's that's the context to what's happening here. Like I think if Cork GEA was operating on the basis of a of a of an even keel that the accounts were in uh, good order, I don't. I think there'd be more of a conversation to be had here. That's the context to it. It's their own um, county board, I suppose. Like, look, it's not that that's of the players making or really of huge interest to the players. But you, neither can you be blind to the fact that there's at least 20 million sitting over here that needs to be addressed. And that ain't going away unless you bring Ed Sheeran in this year and Ed Sheeran version two in next year, um, which is an interesting, I think, subcontext to all of this because, like, look, you'd start to get the calculator out and start running the, the maths on it. If it does move to Killarney, we were chatting about it before we came on air, um, the collective wisdom is that Killarney is, what, 30,000... 30, um, 30-ish, yeah. Capacity that it might there might be 20,000 at it, which is another story, by the way, but might maybe be, for, yeah. for another day. Let's say you got 20,000 at it, which would be roughly about double what you'd be getting if the game's at Porky Rin, which is a which is an extra revenue of about 200,000 euro. That's what you're leaving behind you here. And, and like, look, you know, if everybody decides that that's money we're happy to leave behind, we're getting plenty from the Ed Sheeran thing, uh, then collectively that's what they do but I think in the context of having 20 million at least debt sitting over here in the bank how do you turn your nose up at 200 grand? Yeah, like, and people will argue that there, there is a situation where Parky Wynn could potentially get to as big as 14,000 for this fixture if all these safety protocols are passed and they manage to get even extra room and on that same side of that argument would be people saying they barely get 17,000 in Killarney mm. so there is an argument out there that the difference may be negligible I'd argue that a little bit but it, that's neither here nor there it's, it, one is definitely bigger than the other and there is a fact out here that Cork will get a game back in Parky Cueve so the money won't be lost forever it'll come back but that is of no importance mm. to the football team and management who want to win right here right now when they feel they have the best chance of doing that at Parky Rin. What I find interesting is that when you go back through these details is that Cork GA have made no bones about this. I mean, they, they've referred to it as, as concert mode, mm-hmm. the, the way the stadium will go. They need to do this. They've been front. They've been straight up about this. They know they made a decision to, uh, to, to allow these concerts in and, and they made a decision to, to have the footballers play in Parky Rin. And as I say, up until last week, nobody had that big of an issue with it. Mm-hmm. So... It is interesting that this has it, this has blown up so quickly. You would have to have a bit of sympathy for for people involved in Cork with this. It's the reason that it's not for me. Cork, uh, Newbridge, or nowhere in the sense that like they are going to get two home games back to back years running after this. Yeah, like so there, there was no not, home away agreement with Mayo until there no, for nobody, obvious reasons. No, and no, but nobody's taking that away. Nobody's saying exactly, we're yeah. definitely taking this this advantage from you. They're saying that literally we need to do this this year to address these debts. It does raise a question about what happens when you know Ed Sheeran's promoters or whoever it is come knocking next year and say hey we'd like to rent out Parky Cueve and the hundreds of thousands that are going to come in the context of that uh, Cork GEA are, are now saying that you know even if that clashes with a fixture we're not going to take that or else we'll put it at Parky Ring so they're sort of kicking that ca- there is a bit of a can kicker down the road there you know if, if the logic applies in 2022 then surely it applies next year and it applies the year after but I mean this this statement obviously at least forces some clarity um in that regard, you know, they're saying that if, if this happens again next year, then we'll turn that money down. Yeah, like Ed Sheeran adds second Cork date uh, was announced on 25th of September last year. Draw for 2022 Munster Senior Football Championship was the 27th of November last year. Like there is, yeah. that that was fixed before the, the, the fixtures were set in stone. You obviously would have known that around early May time you would have had fixtures because the, the early season would have, been, would have been in place. There is something of a perfect storm about it though, that this is year one of an earlier calendar 
and that next year everybody will probably be a little bit better prepared for this. I think that there will be, uh, I think people will probably learn a thing or two from this and get more, uh, more of a relationship will build up between the dates and the rhythms of the, the, the new GA calendar as time goes because early May traditionally would have been totally fine for, yeah. for a concert in Cork. Absolutely no issue. It's June, July that would have been the issue. So, like, I, I don't don't foresee there being many issues down the line from this, but it's it's here and now where, where things are going to be very interesting. Monster GEA, will they will they be stubborn? Will they want to try and uh, save face a little bit on this? And what I suspect will happen here is that Monster GEA will go to Kerry maybe and say, "What what do you want to do?" Which oh, uh, which the Kingmakers, which, which is co- completely. Ridiculous, really. I don't think they've got any. Clearly, not just in a position where they have to be just told, really, what they're going to do. Is it, it, it's yeah. It will, like I'm, I'm speculating there. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe they, they, there's no consultation with them whatsoever. It's they'll play. What wherever. choice do they have, sort of thing? Like I mean, because the game is supposed to be in Cork. So if, ultimately, if Kerry get told they're going to Cork, then they have to go no matter where that is. And then equally, I don't know if there's any financial benefit. There must be something. The, yeah, the, the and, one, and the home advantage. The one in, thing I would say Kerry. is that, uh, like last year. The GEA could have said to Kerry, listen, you're playing this game against Tyrone here. Oh, Tyrone got COVID, you're playing the game against here. But what actually happened was Kerry made representations and they kind of got involved and said, listen, we will we will absolutely move to whatever yeah. happens here. Maybe they could have kept their powder dry a little bit more. And maybe that's <laughs> based on the results of what actually yeah. happened that day. I wonder, is there going to be a little bit of a, an administrative hangover from what happened last summer when it comes to their part in all this? Again, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I do I do think it's again, just something it's that, that, that crossed my mind. I think they carry it. Oh, it's have, completely different. They have to, they, they have, they ultimately, because of the context of what's going on, they sort of have to do what they're told. And listen, they will absolutely, they will absolutely uh, happily go, go down to Park Huron and, and play that game because nobody was kicking up a fuss before I that. I presume you're sitting back on <laughs> happy days. This is just a little, it's a, it's a cork. There's nothing better. There's nothing more, there's nothing more um, uh, volcanic than cork versus cork, which is ultimately what this is. <laughs> Yeah, possibly. It's, I, I definitely think it's Cork versus Munster GEA. I think that's, I think that's the main, the main beef here. I think, like, a, it's it's one of your uh, blue ribbon teams. You know, it's your it's the second biggest team that that represents your county. I think that I, I would say that the, the Cork executive and the footballers would be very much on the the same side. If if mm. there's a little few wrinkles to iron out here and there, I think they'll probably figure that out. I think it's very much all. Uh, all hands on deck to try and reverse the Munster GEA decision as opposed to anything else at this We're point. going to have lots more chat about this over the course of the morning, lots more reaction to it as well. Uh, the Rebellion at the Ring, says Brian Dillon, which, uh, which I like. Uh, cork or Curtains was what I've come up with. <laughs> you haven't that? It's Cork or Commerce, says uh, David on YouTube. Yeah, I like it. The Sheeran Saga, the Munster Council Ring ring Bing, which is like a subtitle there from Shawnee Riley. It's Ring or Reward, says David as well on, uh, on YouTube. Should, can we, should we put that up on uh, an OTB poll we there? Will, put up, put up the three best options and get people to, to reply <laughs> with their suggestions. Uh, quarter day, Friday morning, and uh, it's all going off, as you uh, have heard, and uh, more developments on that, I'm sure, over the course of the day and uh, over the weekend, no doubt as well, and uh, and beyond. OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's what's coming up uh, over the course this morning. Shane Curran standing by. We were having him on to chat all things uh, league, including that Division 2 final. And we will do that. Uh, but needless to say, <coughs> excuse me, we will start with uh, events developing in Cork uh, overnight. Mark Lawrenson, 
will talk to us a little bit about uh, Liverpool's uh, run-in. Obviously, the City game coming up in nine days' time. Uh, Watford to get the weekend underway tomorrow. We'll bring you the sports pages after that. Alan Quinlan will look ahead to round two of the TikTok Six Nations this weekend. And the small matter as well of Munster against Leinster, which, by the way, is also not a sellout at Thelma Park tomorrow night. Uh, we Big news on the crappy quiz that we will unveil the details of a little bit later on. But there is some major news about a return from a past champion to crappy quiz shores after nine o'clock this morning and then John Giles from half past nine. So that's your menu of what's happening on the show this morning. And before all of that, Shane Curran, good morning to you. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good, 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 good. We've got 15 minutes with you and we have about an hour's worth of chat. So let's get straight into it. You've followed followed and been reading about the events in Cork uh, overnight. What do you think? What do I think? Look at that. It's it's kind of rinse and repeat again, isn't it? Um, you know, the Newbridge or nowhere saga, um, where I suppose officialdom has has got got in the way of of the players, and and uh, the players have kind of just decided enough is enough, and um, have escalated the row uh, quite rightly so. Um, and I can see where they're coming from to 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 kind of keep the venue in a more interested place like Parky Rain and. Look, I don't understand when 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 um, guys sit down uh, in the fixtures committee rooms and and come up with these things. Uh, how they're not going to or think that they're not going to to uh, rile players and, and rile supporters. And we're going into the championship now, to, uh, talking about about fixtures and and uh, expenses instead of instead of football. Mm. Um, so the front pages are full of, of stuff like that and, and even the back pages. And um, I can empathise and have serious empathy with, with the Cork players and I think they're they're 100% correct here in, in their sense that they're taking on. And uh, look, at the best thing with the likes of these things is, okay, hold your hands up and say, look, at, uh, we've messed up. Uh, the fixture is going to be in Cork, you're in. And then it just, it takes away all that, that ambiguity about... about uh, about where it's going to be or where it's not going to be, and uh, in, in the context of the debt of the debt chain, like it's it's twenty million conservative estimate. Tom Ryan was talking last year about thirty one and a half million in the Cork Stadium and the the Cork GA debt that sits there. It's not of the players making clearly, but is it is it? Uh, you're clearly feeling that it's entirely fine for them to be detached from that and to say, listen, we you know there's there is extra money to be made by bringing this game to Killarney, but that's not our business. Play this game in Porky Rin and and be be damned otherwise. Yeah, and I think I think the debt and the debt of the football can't be can't be ran ran in parallel. Even though I suppose look at the the debt's going to have to be paid back over some some uh, some period of time. Uh, moving the game to Killarney um, is not going to fix that debt uh, or any other game either. And, and the argument could be made that probably you might actually have more people in Porky Rin in a more intimate venue than you would have in the vast, vast uh, venue that is, is Killarney. And uh, certainly I think the way Cork football is at the moment, um, Cork Irene is probably more than more than big enough to hold the crowd. Um, and Killarney, I think I don't think you get any atmosphere there at all. Uh, the debt that Munster and Cork have um, is, is a completely separate issue and they'll find a way of paying that back, same as same as uh, all debts are paid back over time. And um, that, I think, think is a, a spurious argument to kind of to uh, to leave that on the backs of the players. To be fair, I think I think it's it's a separate a separate entity altogether. Yeah, and I think um, 
uh, there'll be, be down in Roscommon you're not as you're not too worried about all that sort of stuff there's plenty of uh, excitement about what's going on unbeaten in the league first league win over Galway uh, last weekend in nearly 20 years is there a giddy excitement in Roscommon? Um, yeah there, there, there is and, and look at it's off the back really I think of, of little or probably no expectation really this year of of um, of, of uh, the, the team doing really that well I think look Leading into the league, um, you know there was a, a management kind of step down. There was a lot of of uh, talk about maybe Cunningham not staying on in his position. Um, but they have regrouped, and you have to give credit to the players and to the management uh, for for the performances um, throughout the league. Not notwithstanding, I think the paucity of the opposition in Division Two and the quality of the teams in it. Um, Roscommon and Galway have stood out as as the two best uh, as the two best in the group, and uh, in Roscommon's particular case, uh, they've played really good football against against the likes of Cork, uh, certainly against Mead. Um, probably their poorest performances have come at home against Clare and Clare and and Derry, uh, and last week against Galway they were they were excellent. Um, notwithstanding that Galway probably weren't at full tilt and have have different priorities, but. Um, it's signs are good for us, common, and um, you know, as I said, the management and players have to take great credit for that for regrouping. Um, when when the levels of expectation would have been quite low, they've they've elevated their levels of expectation to to another another level, which is which is good. And um, I have to say, you know, um, my own club man and uh, two club men, uh, Eddie Nolan and Brian Stack, have been to the fore in, in the Renaissance this year, and. Uh, it's also great to see, I think, Olsen Harney um, in midfield with Eddie Nolan, giving Roscommon a really strong foundation um, for for developing their attacks into a forward line that, to be fair, is 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 very uh, on its day as good as any is probably in the country with the Murtas and and uh, all the other lads that are around them, the Smiths and Coxes and Heenhans now that are coming in and others. So um, it's great to see Olsen back. Um, you know, he's gone through three, four, five years of. Really difficult time with injuries. Um, probably Libra was brought into the fold too young, um, and his body didn't mature along along the lines required for inter-county football. But he's been he's been really terrific in the league. He's played five or six games now, I think, for the first time in his career at this level. And uh, as I said, um, his partnership with Eddie Nolan in the middle of the field with Brian Stack at full back uh, added to that. The Porrick Pierce's players coming back have given us common uh, a really really good strong spine. For league football, um, I hasten to add, I think uh, there will be different challenges when it comes to um, the championship. But for now, um, yeah, I think it's it's been a very, very good league season. Does it give Roscommon a lift, putting it bluntly, to see Galway and Mayo drawn against each other in a kind of championship draw? Well, look, these, these are the, the, I suppose, the long, boring, boring arguments around the championship draws. I think over the last five or six years, we have been quite fortunate to probably be on the on the weaker side. Let's let's call it what it is. It, uh, the Sligo Leitrim side. I think in 2019 we had a ter- terrific championship by beating Galway and Mayo. But prior to that and and, and post that, we've struggled uh, in the knockout games against Mayo in the last couple of years and Galway. Um, in the in the COVID times, but maybe the fact that we're out of COVID now and we can get a little bit more fluidity uh, to our to our practice and to the games, uh, they might hopefully develop and 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 be better. Um, notwithstanding that we've lost a lot of players as well who are very experienced and very young, but I think that's the nature of the game. Now we see a lot of players um, moving away from the game for one reason or another um, from all the counties, not just not just for Scotland. So. Um, 
I think, yeah, it's 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 given everyone a lift going into the championship, uh, and the fact that it most likely will be Sligo, um, it won't be an easy game, but it's one that you would expect Roscommon to win, um, and then you've either Galway or Mayo who will who will have one one or either either will be out of the championship at that at that case in time. Anthony Cunningham was talking after the Galway game about like how it was a backs to the wall, a game that Roscommon had to win. That. Um, Obviously, you've caveated already that it wasn't a first-pick Galway team, but having that pressure, Shane, and then delivering on it, how big of a momentum shifter can that be for us, Common? Well, they're huge. It can be very, it can be very significant, irrespective of the the, the, um, the quality of the opposition at the, on the given day. Um, wins over your Galways and Mayo's uh, do elevate, particularly if you have a young team. They, they give a team a sense of a sense of being and a sense of achievement, and. Uh, you know, being in a league final is a Division Two league final is no small feat for this Roscommon team. As I said and alluded to, um, many, including myself, would have been happy for them to stay in Division Two for a couple of years and develop at that level. And they now find themselves back in Division One, and um, back in Division One and in the league final against Galway again on Sunday. And I think that can only be good. Uh, for the team and for the county and for the supporters and and uh, certainly I think you know even the type of football they're playing is a bit better than um, maybe the last couple of years as well but you know I caution as well um, that league football and particularly the league this year I think a lot of teams will have been planning uh, for a championship probably quite earlier on and maybe the likes of Cork aren't as bad as or beat aren't as bad as they looked in the, league, the early stages of the league and certainly Towards the back end, they seem to be getting maybe players back and, and a bit fitter. Um, you wonder really what is going on in both those counties um, when, when when they look to be very out of sorts earlier on in the league. But the preparations maybe are, are different for different counties. And um, you can only dance with the girls in the hall, as I say. And, and Roscommon danced very successfully with them. And um, again, as I said, looking forward to the game Sunday. The two counties will have will have competing competing priorities. Um, Galway will be having one eye, I think, on the Mayo game in in three weeks' time. Roscommon uh, will look at this as an opportunity to put a bit of silverware on the cupboard and uh, continue that growth uh, element of their of the game. What do you do with Shane Walsh? A nice easy one. Yeah, I, yeah. Look, at, I suppose if there's one area that that Roscommon have struggled in um, over the last number of years, it is defensively. Um, but we're, we're very fortunate. We've one of the best young footballers probably in the country in Brian Stack um, as a defender. And I, I would imagine that Brian probably end up picking him up. Um, certainly when he comes into the danger areas, it depends on the sort of team that the call we do pick. He's 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 played or picked on in marked in every every sharpshooter that has uh, that every other team has, and, and really hasn't given them a sniff of it throughout the league. And um, I would expect that will continue on on Sunday should Shane Walsh play. Um, again, I'm not too sure whether he will or not. Uh, really, you think that court. like Galway, but that would suggest that they're. He, I mean, it's a big league final, but they're keeping him uh, the powder dry a bit. Are you thinking? I, I think so. I think that they'll be looking to. It's 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 a, it's a different. It's a difficult conundrum for Porrick and his management team because confidence is 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 a big thing, and certainly building that up inside three to four weeks of a championship match, you don't want to be coming off the back of two defeats to a to a rival. That being mm. said, one of the defeats was probably a, a, a give up game. But a, a final is a final, and um, teams will want to win those finals to actually build momentum and build confidence. And even I think maybe for for the the, la- the, the latter stages of the championship, if you meet, uh, you don't want to be probably playing a team that you've been beaten twice to either. And uh, that's a conundrum for Galway to get over. 
do they pick a strong team to, to compete and maybe beat Roscommon with their best players and looking forward to Mayo in three weeks' time? Or do they build those players up that are coming back from injury uh, through through practice routines and in-house games? So um, these are difficult difficult times, I think, for Galway maybe in that respect. Will they be that worried about it? I'm not too sure. Uh, but for Roscommon, certainly, um, the opportunity to put um, silverware on the, on the mantelpiece um, is, is a great opportunity. Uh, Shane, I don't think we've had you on uh, during the, the league so far this year, and I appreciate this is probably a conversation that was raging dr- during February in the early throws of the league, but how do you react when you see the, the, the slew of goalkeepers that we've seen making marauding runs out, out, out the field, and, and I guess um, managers in particular, Kieran McGinney, trying outfield players in goals, and, and the experimentation that we've seen over the last two months when it comes to, to the goalkeeper role? I'm just keen to get your, your take on that. Yeah, look, at I think... Um there's, a, there's, a, there's obviously uh, conversations now around um, the hybrid goalkeeper and the, the, the merits of, of um, playing such a player in, in the position. Um, I've, I've spoken, I think, maybe not on this show, but on others, um, that it's a risk and reward for many managements and there will be lots of questions and queries that come up through the league, league um, campaign for many teams, um, and particularly probably the top four to six teams, uh, about what is the best best tactical ploy with your goalkeeper um, in terms of how they play in the championship. I think if you if you roll the clock back to last year, me uh, Tyrone got a, a very significant beating down in Kerry, where they conceded five or six goals, and and um, Niall Morgan was heavily criticised for for his performance down there in terms of going out from goal and and getting caught in possession. But they managed to tweak that round um, and and find and facilitate the goalkeeper and guide the goalkeeper and support the goalkeeper through that phase um, for him to to make better decisions and have better performances uh, throughout the championship and probably um, tailor his game a little bit more nuancedly towards championship football. Things you get away in the league, in, within the league, you won't get away in, cha- in championship. The game is much faster, it's much more competitive, and it's much more combative as well. Um, so goalkeepers coming out are going to have a really have to have a really really strong skill set, and um, teams are going to have to then decide: Are we going to play this way and risk conceding two or three goals, and risk the confidence of the team and the mentality of the, the team and the goalkeeper being compromised? Or decide well, yeah, we're going to go with a hybrid goalkeeper and try to develop a football style around that. There's a lot of questions. Is can that be successful? In my opinion, it can't be and won't be. I think you have to have a goalkeeper who's technically competent, um, but can can play to a certain extent. And look, the position is gone to such an extent now that we're asking goalkeepers to do a myriad of things that, in many cases. Are, are impossible. It's go short, it's go long, it's go around the corner, it's catch high balls, it's make saves, it's come out the ball, it's set up attacks, it's keep defence right, it's communication. So there's so many elements to it um, that the goalkeepers who are in goal now aren't technically attuned to all of them. Most of them in the hybrid, in the hybrid state are, are outfield players playing in a technical position uh, without having the technical background and skill sets. To, to be able to to um, play there as, as an out-and-out goalkeeper. And if you actually look at the top four, Kerry, Mayo, Tyrone and and Dublin, there are question marks about the three goal about the three sets of goalkeepers in the 
in three of those teams and the only one really that has a settled goalkeeper at the moment um, for different reasons is Tyrone Mayo, Rob Henley is, is um, injured the two Shanes and Kerry have been alternating their, their position similar in Dublin and, and the issue in Dublin you have is probably Evan Comerford um, replacing an icon like, like Stephen Cluxton as a young goalkeeper you're going to go through certain periods where um, you need help and support on the, the physical and mental side of the game um, when mistakes happen because you're compared to somebody like like Cluxton and uh, the management will probably struggle to support the goalkeepers in many ways because part of management and, and coaching hasn't kept up with the um, the change in, in the style of goalkeeper that's been, been uh, asked to play in the game. It's a that makes sense. It does, and it's a conversation we're definitely going to come back to a lot over the next little while. And the reason that we said we needed to wrap with you, because I know you need to get on the road, and there was a couple of things uh, that maybe tie in together, Shane. You'll be putting some of your sports performance and exercise psychology uh, course into play on the sidelines in Tipperary Town today. Well, the lads in Satanta have been, have been very good to me so far. Uh, going back to learn is a, it's kind of a bit asked about face, really. You know, at 50 years of age, I didn't do the learning when I, when I should have had. Now I'm back back at it uh, with Satanta College. We're really, really enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, the the, um, the Bower are playing in the, the All-Ireland uh, uh, school final this afternoon in Tipperary Town at half past 12. So anyone down around Tipperary that wants to clip into a good uh, ladies game, the Bower playing Clannan Kilty in, a, in a, uh, the school final down there today. So, yes, looking forward to that. And uh, look at, I suppose, um, yeah, we'll have many more conversations throughout the summer. Uh, I'm looking forward to a really good championship summer and looking forward to the league final this weekend. And uh, hopefully, it's football we'll be talking about, not, not expenses and ground sharing and. and uh, the light fixtures and so on. It wouldn't be the summer without it, uh, Shane. I see Abby Curran down as captain as well and uh, and I see Kate Stewart trainer as well and the jeans uh, in both of those lineages are, are, are very good. So no doubt uh, you'll go well this afternoon. So good luck with it. Thanks very, thanks very much indeed. Thank good you man, very much, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, Thanks. Shane Curran on the line there uh, with his uh, reaction, obviously, to events in Cork and uh, a look ahead as well to Galway or Scotland. It's impossible for the reasons that he mentioned about the selection of that Galway team, although I would sort of half suspect that they'll Galway will want the... While, of course, they'll be having their main... Their main course this year is going to be that semi-final and I'm sure that's um, all they're targeting. Um, I'm also certain that um, like it's a good momentum builder from a Galway point of view. I'd be surprised at a game at Crow Park, a divisional final against a near neighbour, that they wouldn't go full bore for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I also think as well, one of the things that I think we might be quite excited about in a few weeks' time is actually these uh, couple of rounds of qualifiers. Mm. Um I think the knock-on impact of that is that the Talton Cup may uh, may not get the coverage it deserves or, or requires this year. But what's going to happen is that there's a, there's kind of been a ring fencing of, of more elite teams because of the Talton Cup, and that these two rounds of qualifiers that we're going to get are going to have some absolute ding dong clashes that are going to be between obviously teams with Division One and Division Two standards. So they're going to be brilliant. I think that's something that maybe we've been sleeping on a little bit because I may or may not have just been looking through the entire GA calendar last night as uh, as you know we're, we're April first now. We've got championship this month. We've got championship in a couple of weeks, two weeks. Uh, somebody was wondering a bit earlier on if the Cork thing was an April Fool. Says Dennis. Um, it's unfortunately it appears not. Dennis, it appears to be very real. If you just joined us this morning, the Cork Footballers and Management issued a statement last night uh, to say that it's Porky Ring or nowhere. They ain't playing the game in Killarney. And uh, I mean, I guess the inference, they haven't quite... They've, they've said that's the only place they're playing it. Um, so you can read into that, I suppose, what you, what you will. Um, 
Andrew saying, uh, Porky Ring or Get in the Bin. Just a bit wordy is the thing. It's like it's very much got the tone. I'm okay with it though. Uh, Shifty Lad, Ring It or Bin It. Yeah. Uh, also saying that Wicklow had to play in Port Leash against uh, Dublin. A couple of years ago, Wicklow at home uh, venue because Ockram was declared too small. It was disgraceful at the time, uh, but it was little old Wicklow. Yeah. I mean, Ockram's not a great venue, is the thing. I have a little bit more sympathy with the idea of that. Oh, well, uh, I, I, I actually think that that was, that was pre Newbridge, wasn't it? That was before 2017. Been, I think, yeah. Like, that is the, the one comparison maybe that you can make with Newbridge and Nowhere is that it's actually inspired a lot of people to make these decisions to be like, no, screw you, official. Then we are going to stand up for what we believe in and we want to get this venue because we believe it is fair and uh, we think that the, 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 the fairness of the competition should be seen to, to the nth degree. So I think that that's probably, I'd say there's a bit of Newbridge in the, the defiance of Cork at the moment. And let's not forget that Keane O'Neill, of course, was mm-hmm. a centre point of Newbridge or Nowhere, who obviously was part of the, the Cork management team up until, up until last year, yeah. Uh, Darrow Tools has the clangor of the langers. There you go. Having that. That's another one. And a brilliant, quite brilliant suggestion from John Claffey here saying that get Ed Sheeran to play in Killarney instead. Ed, Killarney hasn't had a concert in like 13 <laughs> years. Like, I mean, it used to have like a massive thing at Fitzgerald Stadium every single summer. I don't think, I don't think since Pussycat Dolls in 2009 has Fitzgerald Stadium hosted a concert. Like it's had Elton John, it had Meatloaf. And of course, John, uh, it had uh, Pink. To be fair, one year. Meatloaf <laughs> playing your venue was not really... Uh, um, it was not really like a thing to be bragging about. Like you but, know, Meatloaf sort of hit the skids uh, in the. I'm pretty sure it was the early '90s in a in a massive way, uh, to the point where he was playing. There's a very famous story about him playing Moat, um, where the concert ended midway through piece, yeah. when uh, wheelchair landed up on stage, and it was the straw, the wheelchair that broke the camel's back, and yeah. Meatloaf decided, "That's it, I'm out of here." But so that that was a. There's a real. There's cottage industry around that whole that whole story there. Yeah, yeah, that that, that did the rounds after his death there a few months mm. ago, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, so no, I mean, maybe maybe pass the memo on to Ed's people. Get it, get to Clarny. Yeah, it's just not the populace there for it. That's that's you don't have the population. But like the people come from Cork to Clarny, you see, because they're quite oh, close oh, geographically. Oh, bring them over either way. They're county side you're, by side. You're, Adrian, you're you know. interdependent. Is that what you're saying? You can cross over county boundaries. It's allowed. One can't exist without the other. That's probably philosophically actually accurate. Well, I think that, the, that there might be a truth here as well as that Cork people would love the, the six o'clock Saturday night throw-in in, in Killarney. And everything that comes with it. Right, it's uh, eight minutes past eight. You're watching OTP AM and we're delighted to have you with us. If you have any thoughts about that uh, Cork GEA saga, as Owen described it, I'm happy to get behind that bandwagon. Um, do lash them into us. Any thoughts on the name, anything else? We've lots still to come. Live crappy quiz a little bit later in the show. Alan Quinlan's going to talk rugby and up next, it's Mark Lawrenson on the football. 10 past 8, you're watching OTPAM. Mark Lawrence, good morning. Thanks a million for taking the call. Um, a couple of right. I'm in Mallorca. You're in Mallorca, good man. Yeah. Sonny? Hello? So, is it Sonny? I'm oh, sorry. Um, it's, it looks like it might be sunny today. Otherwise, I've been building an arc for two days. It's been that wet. <laughs> well, good luck with that. We'll we'll keep you around 15 minutes and we'll let you back to the, your construction there. Can't wait. Uh, Post-international window, Salah and Mane are back. It's uh, Egypt, Senegal again, part two, and a patch-up job maybe to be done for Jurgen Klopp. Is there any any hangover, do you think, from a Salah point of view at this point, given, given events again against his old mate? No, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's um, just one of those things, and it's it's a bit like sort of an 
you know, we're all playing for Ireland, but we're playing against Man United and, you know, they had loads of players who were Irish, they had loads of players who were Irish, etc. Now it's, but listen, you just, you get on with it and it, it, it is it is what it is. I don't, uh, if you think about Salah, I, I don't see him signing a contract at uh, Liverpool, which I think is probably far more important because um, I just, I just don't see it, basically. I, I think he'll, he'll walk away. Do you? Wow. Mm, I do. Yeah, I, I just, I, well, you know, they're, they're, obviously they've been talking and they've been talking for ages, both parties, but you know, there's, there's obviously not been an agreement so far. Mind you, you, they'll probably announce something at 10 o'clock this morning and I'll have some more egg on my face. But I just I just get this feeling with Salah that um, he will he will go somewhere else, one last payday, etc. cetera. Um, and he thinks, he thinks he's probably done enough at Liverpool to, to justify that. Where would he go? Good question. Um, who, who, who would be able to take him probably is, is, is mm-hmm. more of an important issue. I was just going to go to the very, very top, isn't he? So, um, and would depend. I mean, because he's got, what's he got, about 15 months left on his contract, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. So, um, and Liverpool would fight tooth and nail in terms of uh, the incoming transfer fee. Who can afford him? Um, would you go to Paris Saint-Germain? I don't know. Um, you'd go there for the money, that's for sure, for certain. Would you go there for, you know, peace of mind, um, contentment with your football, chance of winning Champions League? And they don't look any near winning the Champions League than, than they have done for a long time. So I, I don't really know. I just, I just, it's just, I think it would be sorted otherwise. That's the great issue. Um, you know, Liverpool don't want it hanging over them. It's like every time, is Salah going? Is What's he doing? Is he staying? All that kind of stuff. And and if they really wanted to, to do the deal, I think they would have done it. Other than the passage of time, as you've mentioned, is there something else that you've seen or anything that you've heard that would suggest that this is now more likely than ever that he won't sign that deal? Mm, no, not really. Well, just one or two rumours. And I mean, everybody hears rumours, but... Um, I just feel that if, if you look at the way Liverpool have been under Klopp in terms of transfers in, uh, new contracts, they're announced. You know, they're just like, oh, John Henderson signed a new contract. Well, nobody knew he was negotiating one, you know, and they've been very, very good um, at, 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 uh, at doing that and sorting out players. Van Dijk was just, oh, he signed a new contract that, that nobody knew he was even, again, negotiating one. So I don't... I just feel that maybe Liverpool think that the money they were going to have to pay him is, is, is far too much. But then, of course, um, who do you get as a replacement? Or or do they think because of Diaz coming in, etc., that they've got enough up there, up front? So, yeah, it's more of, more of a feeling. I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, there's something, I'd, something not quite right about it, I feel, anyway. And, like, the, I, to be honest, I'm surprised to have heard you say that, Mark. Is, is there... If you're if you're driving the decision on the Liverpool side, like short of signing him up and they're accepting, let's say that that's not going to happen, do you try and get rid of him at the end of the season, obviously, and cash in, or do you keep him? Do you think there's a value in almost keeping him and foregoing that transfer fee because, he, like you say, 15 months, he's 31 years old at that time. Maybe it's a law of diminishing returns. Um, mm. So, so yeah, which what, which play do you go for? Well, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll let the manager sort that out. But well, I think. I think if if you if you know that the player is going to walk away, that he's got fifteen months, you'd want to get some money in for him, surely. Um, and I know you say, well, you know, he's, it'll score goals, which you which you will, but it, it's not it's not quite the same when when a player knows that he's going. It's maybe it's only five percent less, but that five percent, somebody like Salah, in terms of 
attitude and the way he's playing is a massive, massive thing. And um, I'd be, I'd be in the camp of, okay, so you're going to go fine. Thanks very much. But um, we'll do a deal with somebody in, uh, well, from probably July the 1st, isn't it? Contracts. Yeah. So that'd be the start of his last year, basically Mm. from July the 1st. Is that on the basis of like we cope past Torres, we cope post uh, Suarez? That you know, Coutinho. We can, Coutinho, yeah, we can we can cope with this. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it is. I, th- I just think I just get the feeling that you know it'll be like a, a line in the sand with, with Liverpool. They say, okay, um, you know, we, we we're not going to accede to your demands, and thanks, but no thanks, and off you go, and we'll get some money and and look elsewhere. I mean. They've been really, really good. As we, you know, you know, every time I come on here, I bang on about this recruitment thing. But their recruitment's been outstanding, Liverpool. If you really look at it, and um, go on. Sorry, no, I ju- it just struck me. I wondered, just in the basis of bringing somebody in, and obviously the obvious point is that actually maybe they're very well catered for with the players that they already have there. If you remove Salah from, and obviously there's the goals, right? But if you remove yeah, Salah yeah, yeah. from that current Liverpool team this season. Obviously, somebody else starts. Obviously, they score goals as well. If you remove them from that team, are they still competing for the league? No. No, they aren't. No, they aren't. So, but I mean, they've got... Their, their view will be, if, if if he is deciding to, their view will be that, you know, he'll, he'll finish the, fee, at the season really, really strongly. But as opposed to said to you before about the start of the new season, then, it, then it's different. It's completely different when you know that you're going. I mean, Chelsea, in fairness, of, of one or two who are obviously going to go, Christensen and um, one or two others whose who contracts are up. And, and they've actually been playing and playing really, really well. But um, I just, I just, it's just a feeling that they have. I'm not, nobody said, hey, hey, by the way, have you heard? I don't think he's going to sign a contract or whatever. I just have this feeling that um, he might just say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Because I, I, I don't, I'd be very, very, very surprised if Liverpool are paying him 450 grand a week. I really would. Because mm. that, sets a, that sets a precedent as well. I mean, you know, maybe Man City could afford that, but Liverpool then and looking at the team and thinking, cracky, all, all the big stars are going to be knocking on the door and say, well, hold on a minute. He's on 450 and I'm only on 275, whatever. Um, and it, I think it causes a lot of problems internally. Is that not just like a man management situation where you sit down and go, listen, this guy, he's about to become the, he's behind um, um, Owen and um, a Fowler, isn't he? Just behind them in terms of uh, goals, whatever. Do you not just sit down and go, listen, I'm sorry, look at this guy's, look at his numbers. Like that's the, is that not at that level? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, he's been, he's been brilliant. You know, from the first day he walked into the football club and I remember seeing him playing in a, in Switzerland many years ago and he was he was lightning quick but he didn't look you know he didn't really know what he was doing in many many ways and he's grown up so quickly with the moves that he's had he's been brilliant for Liverpool yeah. absolutely totally brilliant I don't I don't think um I would say I've never met him but I'm I'm not quite sure at the agent because every time there seems to be a meeting he he, he tweets about something or uh, you know and I don't get it I mean that worries me. Something like that as well is if you were the agent, you just keep your mouth shut and not tell, not say anything to anybody. So, I, I just, I, it's just a gut feeling yeah. that I've got that I, I don't think he'll sign a new contract. You don't want to end up in a Harry Maguire situation either, where he's kind of hanging around and sort of half-heartedly, I mean, half-heartedly scoring about thirty goals a season. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, only only thirty-nine. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. 
Yeah. So, look, you know, he's he's very he's very much in control of the situation, is he? Basically, um, this is the weekend that Liverpool finally get their noses in front, Mark. At least for a little while. Yeah, hopefully. Obviously, Watford tomorrow, isn't it? So um, that would be good. And whereas, well, City are at Burnley, aren't they? Which we, we know is difficult, but um, it's not as difficult as it used to be, as we've seen this year. They lost quite a few games at home as well, Burnley. But yeah, so it will be interesting if if and, if and when Liverpool turn Watford over, just to see not City's result, but the way the way that they play. You know, because as, as I've been banging on regular on the tier about this, it's it's. It's much easier chasing than being chased, and um, Liverpool are uh, Liverpool are still chasing at the moment. But as I say, you know, come tomorrow afternoon, they could, they could be up there. So we'll wait and see what City react and how they react to it. Obviously, then there's uh, midweek football for the following couple of weeks. I guess the, the the market would tell us that that Manchester City and Liverpool will be progressing from this round as well. So they'll probably have another couple of fixtures after that. Uh, mm-hmm. Which squad do you think is is better placed to actually sustain what's going to happen over the next month? Oh, I think you know what, I, and I'm not dick, dipping out of this. It's it's neck and neck between the two. R- really, seriously, is I mean they've both got outstanding squads. Maybe. Maybe Liverpool are a little bit, little bit better defensively. I would argue at the moment. Um, then, but you know, it's 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 like a it's a hair's breadth away, isn't it? Basically, between between the two of them. I mean, who, who would you take? You'd be up all night thinking about if you know. Even the thing like you know, make make a team out with make a team out with two teams. Mm. I mean, crikey, you'd be scratching your head. Yeah, does it like a Manchester City and uh, and the kind of I guess they're relying on a, a tighter knit group of players. Granted, they still have plenty of depth, and it's you know we're, we haven't gone to five yeah. subs a game just yet. <laughs> like it's it's definitely a tighter bunch of players that they rely on that than Liverpool. They've got a, a much more secure core, I guess. Whereas Liverpool, when they're flipping between competitions, it seems that no matter what sort of lineup they they go with, they, they can make four or five it's changes, strong. and it's so yeah. strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you could argue that absolutely, and but you know. So I'm looking at I'm looking at City at the moment and the, the game at Crystal Palace where <clears throat> obviously they, they wanted to win, ended up with a draw, didn't make a substitution. Was I think that was just a strange one, you know, and you're kind of thinking, what, what's all that about? And I'm looking at Sterling and he's generally not started many games lately, I think. And then I, I'm just wondering whether whether Pep's had a master stroke, which is keep, it, keep him out a little bit, keep him out, get him hungry. And then, you know, the last quarter of the season, whatever, bang, he's going to, Start going on the rampage, which which he can do. So, look, we'll, we'll we'll just just wait and see. But I would rather be in City's position than Liverpool, even if it's only a point in front or whatever it is. Well, if you listen to Gary Neville, he's talking about Liverpool being dangerous, isn't he? He's saying that they could do something special here. He's talking about multi-trophy winning season. You're not going to argue uh, with think, that, Mark. I, I, I think he was ill. <laughs> I, th- I think he was ill. Gary Neville praising Liverpool. You're joking, aren't you? Um, and we've, we've the odd situation of Gary Neville saying that uh, Liverpool are going to do something special and you're like, oh, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, well, no, listen, I'm not so sure because uh, I've been in that position before and you just need a bad day. You know, you just you just need one bad day, but in the cups especially, and, and you're out. So um, everybody seems to think that, you know, we turned up every year and like, yeah, yeah we're going to win this and we're going to win that. And it's, no, no team's like that. No team just goes, well, you know, we're going to win the Champions League because we all know what football's like. We know what loss of form's like. Injuries, you know, uh, beaten by a, a fluke goal, refereeing decision, VAR, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I'd love, I'd love him to uh, Liverpool to win all four. I would think it'd be a fant- well, it would be a fantastic achievement, and no one's ever done it before, of course. The international break, of course, gave us a bit of a break from the usual narrative. The the constant slamming of Harry Maguire, we thought, was not going to become a fixture of uh, the international break whatsoever. But uh, the England fans outdid themselves on this occasion, booing Harry Maguire. Very strange situation. Have you ever seen that sort of club form carry into the relationship between a player and a fan on the international stage? No, no, no. I've never, I've never, you know, with, I mean, obviously, like anybody, you know, England have one or two dolts in terms of fans, you know, um, people who've obviously le- left the villages, the idiots. But um, I think it's probably just the way that, that people are nowadays, where they know that, that they can have a voice. Um, but look, Harry Maguire is a good player. He's not he's not a top, top player, but he's, but he's a good player. Um, you know, and if you said, oh, he's available on a, available on a free, a lot, a lot of the top teams would still take Harry Maguire. So, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? And, I mean, Gareth Southgate's you know, trying to defend him, but I think it's the more you try and defend them, basically, the worse it becomes. I think just ignore them. Just ignore. It's people who don't understand the game, to be quite honest with you. Would a lot of the top teams take Harry Maguire? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I, think, I, think, I, think, I honestly think that they would. Um, doesn't mean you have to pick him every week and play him, but, yeah, but yeah definitely. He's just... He's just not the quickest. So, but it's just the fact that you know, if you've got someone alongside him who's quick, because I tell you what, he's, he's big and he's strong and he heads it and he, and he can play. Um, and he's just he's not particularly had a good time. And every time, I mean, can you imagine that, that and every time you play at home, even, and as soon as you get the ball or make the slightest mistake, that that murmur comes around like, "Ooh, here we go." And it's honestly that's it's the worst possible thing for any player because ev- everybody. Everybody who plays at that level, you know, you, you have to have confidence both in yourself and obviously everyone else in, in the team around you. And it's um, it's it's a tough thing for him to be to 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 be brutally honest. And he must be for every game thinking, what am I going to get today? And while he might, you know, because you look at him, he's a he's a big old piece of kit, and you think, you know, he's obviously very very strong, but you have no idea what's happening between the ears, do you? Yeah, it's true, and it, there's definitely been a, a loss of confidence. Like, it's just—I I think there's also been kind of a, a, a stylistic element to this, the way football's gone. Like, if, yeah. if you talk about the top teams, maybe the, the qualities are there, but that pace thing is just so important at the moment. Like, I mean, Liverpool have been relying on their pace to get themselves out of holes. It's, it's exactly how they've been able to get by playing the way they play. Manchester City are the same. I think even if you look at some of the other teams in and around there, I mean, Chelsea, I guess, you could you could point to Thiago Silva as somebody who they've utilised, who they've managed to make up for a lack of pace at times. But even Arsenal Brains. have moved towards, yeah. uh, towards a, a situation where it's younger, quicker, centre-backs. It feels that not only is he having a bad time, he's also existing in a, in a time in football which just isn't great for him. No, absolutely, uh, most definitely, and and you know the thing the thing about having pace in in that position is you can you can recover your mistakes. I mean, mm. the problem with Harry Maguire is if if you know somebody squares you up and they'll they'll, go, they'll run away from him because um, he's big and he's a little bit slow to turn. But yeah, um, that's why at, at, at this level, you know, your, your centre backs have to just just have to have real pace. I mean, you look at. You look at Liverpool, I mean, even, you know, they don't chase many games anymore because they're generally in control. But I've seen them in games where they just go, you know, when they're going forward, they go, oh, just we have two against two at the back. And that whole thing of like having another person in front of them, they just go, no, forget about that. We, we'll, we'll back like Van Dijk and Matic because they've got pace to burn. And 
all right if they make a mistake they make a mistake but um yeah you can't re- you can't really do that with Manchester United and by the way by the way all the, all these mates who played alongside him haven't exactly been sparkling have they mm. plenty of them uh, yeah Mark, plenty exactly yeah pleasure as always enjoy the sun and me we'll try good man Mark Lawrence on the line there uh, from Mallorca and lots of interesting stuff there I think it's Liverpool's year at least three trophies you'll never walk alone says Mark Johnson um, other comments coming in Arsenal fan uh, Tender Chicken says please stay Salah it means Saka will stay with us that's my burner Tender Chicken has the same sense of paranoia that I do that sense of every every thing that occurs in the footballing world will have a ripple effect and that ripple effect will result in players getting stolen from the Emirates Stadium um, I did enjoy Roy Hutchinson it's not a huge amount of point in previewing Liverpool's game this weekend I think everybody accepts the way it's going to go including it turns out the Watford manager I did really enjoyed his fatalistic approach to the press conference this week where he said you need to be realistic about it we've got to understand that there are certain games where the teams that we are going to be playing are not in our region because they're not in the bottom three <laughs> <laughs> that's it if we're playing against the bottom three we have a chance and beyond that nah, listen lads not even worth trying to leg Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he intended it that way, but there were his words. I don't think uh, his Liverpool team was in the same region as this Liverpool team, to be quite honest with you. I think um, that's that, that's probably the gulf that we can talk about between Watford and, and Liverpool at the moment, but, but you never know. He's a shrewd man. Um, uh, Cullum says Cork footballers must have more strikes than All-Irelands. Oof. And Shane saying, uh, wondering if there's no GEA picks today. I think we just, did we abandon that a couple of... I don't know what's going on. I, 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 I was just like holding a commanding position. I think that people just folded the tent when, when they saw one contender racing away with the title. Well, there's form in that regard. Normally what happens is we change the rules and then to sort of go against that. Or just cancel it. Just call it off. Yeah, yeah it's been cancelled. Like everything else, it's been cancelled. It was a shambles, is really the short story, Colm, on that. Uh, we're going to, I think, try and breathe fresh life into it for the championship again and uh, have another bash at it around the reel. We're, we are a true reflection of the league in the championship here at OTB AM. Uh, do Keeper Comms coming into us this morning. It is coming up on half past eight. A very good morning to you, wherever it is that you're at. OTB AM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And we'd love to hear from you, wherever it is you are at this morning. Whatever comes you have, do keep them coming into us and plenty. Uh, on the football there and on the news from Cork that we're going to bring you in a couple of moments. But it is time for the papers. There are so many idiots out there, so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, I haven't. Come on, don't, don't be... No, I'm not. Yes. No. Uh, right, a lot of the back pages missed the big story this morning because it uh, broke so late last night. But it is up on otbsports.com for you this morning if you want to go and uh, check it out. The news that uh, Cork footballers insisting that the Kerry clash take place at Parky Ring. And if it doesn't, they ain't playing it. That's the short story. And that is the uh, tone and the detail of the statement that has come out from Cork footballers and management last night. So they're all singing from the same sheet. Uh, we ain't going to Killarney to play this game and screw you Ed Sheeran and everybody else besides and that is uh, up on otbsports.com for you this morning There's, uh, it's up on the subject of the OTB brief with JD as well this morning and uh, what else is up there uh, the Tommy Welsh uh, talking to Nathan yesterday his advice for Aston Gleeson be more like DJ we could all be a bit more like DJ. I think that would uh, would help everybody. Uh, right, here's what's happening in the uh, back pages. The Examiner do have that uh, story, as do a lot of the others as well. But uh, online, 
as I said, it's uh, missed a lot of the back pages for you this morning. But uh, on the examiner here, uh, grabbing the limelight, Hurling's form teams go head to head, but who needs a title more? It really is the big question of the weekend ahead of the uh, runner. The Gareth's column is quite brilliant as well this morning, I must admit. I will be raising that with Alan Quinn a little bit later on. But a lot of the league finals this weekend, uh, owning the football particularly, I think, do raise the question about who does it matter more to, to win, including the Division 1 final. Yes. Like, it, I, I feel it matters an awful lot more to Mayo, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure about that, actually. Yeah, go on. First of all, they've got a championship game, which is actually a fixture. They've got an actual fixture yeah. in the championship, which is much closer than Kerry's fixture in the championship. Second of all, they got their monkey off the back in 2019 by getting their first national title under their belts in 2001, won it in Croke Park. They beat the Dubs in Croke Park last year. I don't think they've got that much more to prove and I don't think they can prove that much more on, on Sunday. Whereas Kerry, I think, they haven't won a big game in Croke Park in a long time. The last big game they won in Croke Park was the, 20, the summer of 2019 when they beat Tyrone in, in an All-Ireland semi-final. I mean, they, they failed to get to Croke Park in 2020. They were ambushed, deservedly so, by Tyrone last year. Uh, and also you've got the the, uh, the goals of the 2019 final. So I think Kerry have a lot to prove in that stadium. Is there not been a quiet transition going on in Mayo that a win like this would endorse the credentials of what that team is about and you know the fact that they've lost some of the leaders from the group and they've had the likes of Philly taking a bit of a side swipe at them and here they are on a big day against the favourites for the All-Ireland laying down a marker in a way that if Kerry lose they'll just write it off pretty quickly I mean I guess any loser ultimately says yeah well we lost that because and away we go yeah maybe and and I think that there was a, a lot of reading into the, the 29 I remember uh, um a Mayo fan coming up to me after the 2019 league final when Mayo had won and she was like you guys are so so bad you guys are never going wow. to win anything ever Kerry hockeyed life out of them in the summer of that year which was particularly pleasurable after that You're moment going around looking for but, afterwards yeah but that didn't um, but it obviously didn't happen for Kerry in Croke Park mm. that year like uh, there, there was a I think the, the, the goals that Kerry conceded that day there was a sense that you know there was, there was big problems and maybe they didn't manifest themselves totally during the summer but they still lost in Croke Park when it mattered the most you know so I don't know. I think that if uh, I think if Kerry lose, there will be a bigger inquest than if Mayo lose on Sunday. Put it that way. But maybe that says more about the people of Kerry than the people of Mayo. I think I I do think I do think the league means everything until it's over. At which point it means nothing to both the winners and the losers. Yeah, but because, the, because yeah, of the you'll see Mayo in a couple of weeks. Yeah. you can't say the same thing about their opponents. They've got to wait over a month. Connacht situation that we didn't even have time to get into it with Jane earlier on but it's so mad like they'll have that Galway game in the semi-final and then they think of a break for a couple of weeks uh, sorry in the sorry they've, they have the preliminary game don't they the, or, no Galway have a preliminary game no against, Galway are playing Mayo first in, first game up And but do Mayo not have a game prior to that no it's is Gal- there not like a Sligo sorry Roscommon have Sligo or, or Leitrim sorry, yeah they're on the preliminary right. side Yeah, but is there there's like a month of a gap between that and the Connacht final, if I'm right. Yeah, the Connacht final, I think, is actually the same day as as the Leinster final, as it all, as it always is. Yeah. I, I think, sorry, I think all the four provincial finals are on the same weekend this year. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit of a mad situation. They'll have... 29th, of, 29th of, uh, of May is the Connacht final. Yeah, so Roscommon will have a month after the league, the Division 2 final to prepare for that game. And then they'll have another month to wait for the final. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, like, there's, something like, there's going to be a long it's gap somewhere. I'm not, I'm not sure what Roscommon's fixture list is. Uh, the Irish Daily Mail this morning it's uh, let us host it Russians want to outflank our Euro 2028 bid 
Um, this is them saying, no, no, we're actually serious. I know we're sort of invading and attacking another country, but no, we do want to win this thing. Um, we'll watch how that plays out. Also, uh, Chelsea's bidder, 140 million euro betting stake in Russia. This is uh, Todd Bowley, the LA Dodgers owner, holding a small stake in a betting company that continued to trade in Russia while all of the major players have pulled out. And there are a few stories of some of those uh, bids for the ownership of Chelsea that have come across the headlines this morning that. Um, will probably result in those bidders being taken off the table at least a couple of them as that uh, race gets whittled whittled down and Paul Donaghy has quit the Tyrone football panel the latest player to walk away Um, he was a guy that uh, obviously made a big impression when he landed on the scene very early in the championship last season and then became a bit of a bit part player Mm. laid on in it but obviously lots of potential did he make his? Did he was his last year's first full season with Tyrone? And there were some questions about why he hadn't been brought into the panel before last year, and the easy conclusion would have been Mickey Hart didn't rate him, the new management mm. did rate him, and uh, all hail the, the the new king in town and all that, and they got the All Ireland last year. So I find it's very interesting that that he's walked away. Obviously, we didn't see much of him over the last little while, and I'm I'm sure that's like clearly they're picking their their best team week in week out, and maybe he just burned brightly for a period last year, and it's just his form has dipped a little bit, but. The list of players that you can reel off now that Toronto are going to be missing this year compared to their panel of last year is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still, like their league form hasn't shown any signs of dipping. Like I mean, they had a, a relatively they had, a, they had an okay league last year. They've matched that with a grand league this year. Nothing matters to to, to them until the Ulster Championship. So may, maybe there will be a dip. Maybe we will. Maybe we will see the the, the the chickens coming home to roost a little bit when it comes to the players that have walked away. I'm not sure we've actually seen it just yet. The ones that you think might make... I don't know that Paul Donahue... Sorry, Paul Donahue leaving the Toronto panel doesn't swing their All-Ireland chance. No, but it's a, as a collective, obviously. Yeah. It's a, and it's the depth. And we, Ronan O'Neill, Tiernan McCann, probably two of the biggest that, you know, that could have an impact on them in the summertime, particularly in terms of depth. Like, they're a young... That's the point, yeah. They're a young squad. Uh... The proof will be in the pudding. The Irish Independent uh, FIFA left red-faced by attack and decision to pick Qatar. This was the Nor- Norwegian Football Federation uh, chief standing up in front of uh, his peers yesterday and giving them both barrels. Uh, stars return from Munster and Leinster, but Thomond far from a sellout is a story that we mentioned a bit earlier on and we'll put Alan Quinn a little later when he uh, joins us to uh, look ahead to that game. Thousands of tickets remain on sale for tomorrow's Munster v Leinster derby despite expected appearance of uh, most of Ireland's frontliners on both sides, writes Rory O'Connor. It is slightly surprising that, um, without being disparaging, the you know Munster obviously pride themselves on the connection between the team and the fans this is the biggest rivalry. It doesn't come any bigger than this. It's the eve of a couple of Champions Cup matches. It's a big deal. It's perfect time for a game on a Saturday evening. I just find it slightly odd that it wouldn't be just you wouldn't be like scraping to try and get a ticket for it. Like I wonder, is there a bit of a sort of the, the kind of club season goes into the rearview mirror a little bit during the Six Nations potentially? And um, I think this one, I just think that like this is cheeseboard territory. On this is this game is big game. Like this is you get fine wine for this one. Yeah, this is not a this is not a game to Mickey Mouse about. No, it's 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 not. I, I don't know. Sometimes maybe you need. It, it feels just so long. Home since, of Irish rugby. It feels so long since there's been any club rugby on. It just feels like an absolute age because I don't know uh, because it actually has been. I there's two stories that are closely tied with their top players playing. I should say Cork versus Kerry really have no like for each other at all at all at all they really uh, hold a special place in each other's heart right uh, like the rivalry is full on 
I mean, I'm not saying the competition is full on, but there's a lot of rivalry there and they both love to get one over on each other. Yet, we're talking about there being 20,000 is a paltry sum. It's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. People that are going to turn out to watch this game, no matter where it's at, if there's a ground big enough to hold that uh, that number of people. And now we're talking about, like, Munster versus Leinster not being a sellout at Thomas Park. It's, I don't know, are we really like an unbelievable nation of... Are we are we more event junkies? But even if you're an event junkie, if you're an event junkie, maybe that's maybe I'm totally countering my point here. Surely Cork against Kerry in the Munster Championship and Limerick uh, hosting uh, Munster against Leinster. Surely their games should be at. I can't get my head around it. No, neither can I. Um, like it's uh, it is it's a little bit strange. I think the Kerry Cork thing is a bit different. To be fair, maybe maybe there's a similarity in the sense that that Leinster have been so dominant over the last little while of that rivalry. But I still think that there's a sense that Munster will, will catch them soon and will beat them soon and will, will get a trophy soon. I think they could beat them tomorrow night. I think they could beat them soon. Whether they catch them soon... Yeah, it's probably a different story. It's a different story, yeah. I think. We'll see. Uh, Donahue Blow for Red Hand writes uh, Kevin Kelly in the Irish Daily Star this morning. Potch's free reign, PSG Axe, would pave the United's way. Man United hanging around for a manager to get the sack is where they're at at the minute. Uh, McIlroy short of his best. This is at the uh, Valero Texas Open. And uh, that is the Irish Daily Star for you this morning. The Times picks up on that story that we mentioned a bit earlier on there. FIFA and Qatar criticise as dispute breaks out ahead of the uh, draw for the World Cup, which, I mean, it was from our point of view, it's, sort of, it's happening and that's kind of it. In it to win it, Southgate dreams big in the Middle East. Uh, concerns raised over possible risk for LGBTQ+. Plus. People, this is support groups issuing uh, action points to FIFA and local organisers ahead of World Cup. And there's a lot of media out there uh, this week as well. And uh, you hope that those stories uh, that feature in the Irish Times this morning, and fair play to them, continue over the course of the next months. Uh, the Telegraph cycling chief urges stricter trans rules. Uh, this is uh, urgent cross sport talks spearheaded by cycling chief David uh, Lapartien uh, could force transgender, uh, transgender athletes to adhere to strict new rules or face being excluded from at least women's uh, competition. Again, a story that's going to run and run. Uh, and I mentioned earlier on how some of the Chelsea uh, potential owners are beginning to rule it out by uh, the day. The sale of Chelsea has been hit by fresh controversy after the government was told to throw out the shortlist a bit from Stephen Pagliuca uh, on the basis uh, that the club and Premier League must not be contaminated by despicably corrupt business practice. And uh, Reid signed us to, from Matt Laws to what that is. And a great picture there. Bring on the Aussies. Semi-final glory for ecstatic Eccleston. I watched uh, some of their win over South Africa. Um, was it yesterday? She was unbelievable. I think six for 36 she took in the end. I wouldn't be an avid cricket watcher, but there was clearly something special at play. And uh, she was bowling them up by the new time. England haven't been done by that same team a little bit earlier in the competition the sun for you this morning Russia gets flak in Qatar Ukraine rep gets his kit on uh, refugees city trial this is a Ukraine player uh, finding himself at Manchester City uh, what else will we bring away this morning the Mur. Uh more talks first it's uh, Ten Hag now Pochettino United weighing up the candidates and at some point or another on that whole thing is going to come to an end isn't it they'll actually end up appointing somebody yeah, um, just on our conversation there a moment ago about Roy Hodgson yeah. and uh, his uh, his time at Liverpool. Like we had Mark Lawrence on there a moment ago talking about how amazing Liverpool signings have been of late. Mm. Do you remember the the summer of love, twenty ten? Roy Hodgson overseeing the transfers of Liverpool Football Club. Not a, not such a successful time in the, the history of Liverpool. I think judging that era by its signings is is a very interesting thing to do, or at least looking at the signings. They signed eight players in yeah. the summer of 2010 when Roy Hodgson was Liverpool manager. He's, of course, going up against Liverpool this weekend. Uh, the first player was Joe Cole, 
signed from Chelsea, ended up playing 26 times for Liverpool, scoring three goals. Uh, they signed Paul Koncheski, of course, oh, yeah. uh, an absolute top-class signing, ended up playing uh, 15 times for Liverpool he football. He would have followed Club. Roy around a fair bit, wouldn't he? He really did, he was a bit of a stalker, wasn't he? Yeah. They signed Suzo, of course, mm. uh, from Cadiz. He uh, ended up playing 14 times for Liverpool. They signed Brad Jones, the goalkeeper, uh, a stalwart at the bench for quite some time. Ended up staying at the club for five years, playing 11 times. You've got uh, Danny Wilson, who they signed from Rangers that summer. Played twice for Liverpool wow. in, a, in a glittering career. Uh, Christian Poulsen, of course, was uh, was a signing in that summer of love. He ended up playing 12 times uh, for Liverpool across uh, league. Uh, the best signing that summer was Fabio Aurelio. Now, I mean, that was the, the one kind of feather in the cap of the 2010 transfer market team. And then, of course, Raul Morellas also joined in 2010. Uh, he obviously would go on to, to play for Chelsea. Not sure who he actually was better for. Liverpool or Chelsea played just over 30 times for, for both of them. And uh, that was your summer of love of 2010. I, I, we're a not different time, a different era the, of Liverpool. At the feet of Roy. I no, know. I would say that... Damien Camoli, was, that, was he there at that time? Was that? I would say that it's a, it's a factor in, uh, and a significant factor in why uh, a slew of Liverpool managers around that time didn't I, have the best time. I have a vague recollection of the fact that it was like not Roy's business to sign these uh, to sign these players. He was, you know... Kamoli came in. Kamoli was announced as director of football strategy in November of 2010. So uh, that that summer of 2010 was such a it was such a traumatic experience for everybody involved that they decided to uh, decided to bring him in. They sold Mascherano as well in 2010. Not that they could have done anything about that, but uh, if you're looking at the the ins and outs, he's another one for that list. Uh, the Torres and Suarez and whatever you're having yourself, we'd like to have kept, but he got away from us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, Liverpool against Watford this weekend is uh, is one of those fixtures. Roy Hodgson, as you said earlier, I'm just giving up on it all. Oh, I just can't. Honestly, that's one of the greatest quotes of all time. Like he's just basically accepting that. You know, it's a great thing for Everton, uh, Everton fans to read. I'm sure and Leeds fans. Uh, Mark saying, I agree with Owen. This Kerry team needs uh, to win a title in Crow Park. Uh, and happy one year anniversary to the Dublin Senior Men's secret training headlines and pictures on the national newspapers. Says Andrew. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, like that's. It, God, it seems it, like a decade ago. Is that the? the moment that we point to and say look what happened after that as in the global pandemic started to dissipate and no or the, the dubs oh dubs started to dissipate that, yeah. well uh, they, I was colloquially referring to them as the global pandemic yeah um, right interesting uh, do keep your comments coming into us it is a quarter to nine it's Friday morning you're watching OTBM we're with you until ten this morning We I have flagged up already and he's lurking outside we have a live crappy quiz coming your way in about 20 minutes time and there is a return to the crappy quiz we can't reveal the name just yet on but a former champion a former resident of these halls a real crowd favourite I think it's fair enough to say yeah like on his, on his last quiz he Actually, it was on a number of quizzes. He, he, one of his questions that he received was uh, sing Ireland's Call for a point. And oh, wow. uh, I think he managed to get the point on both occasions. Did he, no, he didn't have to, he had to sing the full thing? Uh, first verse verses. and chorus, I think, was the question. Wow. And he knew every single no word. That at all. Um, wow. Well, it's going to be, I, I suspect, given the competition that he has this morning, and I can reveal that it'll be me and Shane Hannan against this unnamed former resident of these halls. I, I think the odds are fairly firmly. I think that the organisers of the tournament have sort of weighted the uh, this weekend to be, you know, it's it's an open goal basically is what I'm saying. So the headlines are all going to be, you know, ne- next next week is a heavyweight is a heavyweight clash. You're not going to be on next week's quiz. Just letting you know. We're oh gonna, wow, we're going to do ditched. an earlier week. Wow. We're going to do a master special next week. We did right. it last week. 
It's going to be Joe versus Nathan versus John. Oof. Oh, my word. Golf Weekly versus Virtual Insanity. It's going to be like a tag team. Like, sometimes we're having a bit of a gag about, like, you know, what was the faux outrage phrase that I used to get labelled with, which, to be honest with you, like, once the competition begins, there's nothing faux about it. I do genuinely get very upset about it. But the levels of ego that are going to be hit by defeat there for two of that three... It's not gonna. There's gonna be a lot of unhappy egos about the place. Golf Weekly took a, a bit of a whipping last week, last year as well. In that one, John Duggan managed to take the. Oh, did he down, take yeah. the spoils? Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was like uh, Godzilla versus Kong. See, I'd say JD would be the one ego that could take it. The other two, oh. Nathan particularly. That I think just, that's a reeling to be honest. He'd, he'd be stewing on that now for a while. Yeah. Uh, righto, it is 8.47, it's Friday morning, you're watching OTBAM, as I said, that live crappy quiz is still to come, and do keep your comments coming into us, but we're going to turn our attention to rugby now. Alan Quinlan, good morning to you. Morning, lads, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, let's start with the TikTok Six Nations, obviously into round two this weekend, and an opportunity for Ireland to bounce back from what happened the last time, but uh, he, uh, as in Greg McWilliams, has gone with the same 23 again, uh, Quinny, for the trip to Toulouse tomorrow afternoon. I, I was almost surprised because a new coach obviously sussing out his uh, players they're just off the back of defeat it almost seemed like the most obvious thing to mix it up a bit yeah I'm not sure um, I think he's he's obviously gone for a, a bit of continuity and tried to focus this week it's um, um, tried to focus this week and just try uh, fixing the, the some of the things that went wrong last week and, and has obviously backed the players so um they gave away a lot of penalties uh, last week, um, turned the ball over at the breakdown a fair few times, and it's not going to get any easier this week, you know, playing France and Toulouse. Ireland have never won in, in France, so it's um, it's a different task for them. But, um, you know, there's there's for and against, obviously, back in a group like this when, when you know, they lost the game disappointingly, disappointingly in, in the last probably 10, 15 minutes. It just got away from them. Wales were very good, but um, it's an opportunity for them to to maybe stick together, um, get some of those things that went wrong last week, try and be better at them. And um, yeah, like I say, it's a very difficult task catering going to France against a very powerful French side. So um, mm. it's a kind of a vote of confidence. So part of that kind of feel good factor coming into the game kind of continues, even though they would have been very very disappointed in losing last week and. You know, Greg McWilliams is obviously obviously back the same players to, to try and do a job and, and improve their performance. Yeah, well, look, it's a thankless task in a lot of ways. One last one on the, on the selection of it, because if you drill down into it, his expl- explanation around the Bevan Parsons um, selection on the bench. Um, firstly, he was talking about uh, Parsons being ridiculous, obviously in a good sense, being fully fit, raring to go, our most exciting player. And then in tandem with that, he said, uh, if she replaces one of the back three, it's as if that player did something wrong. What's your read on that? Um, yeah, look, she's she's an incredible player and um, scores a, scored a lot of great tries last year and um, unbelievably exciting. But I think Lucy Mulhall and Amy Lee Murphy Crow have you know, they actually played quite well last week and Amy Lee Murphy-Crow scores a brilliant try, Lucy Mulhall. I'm surprised I think Lucy Mulhall picked up a fairly heavy knock. Um, and look, we don't know the ins and outs of maybe she wants her coming off the bench when the game loosens up a bit. Um, she's still fairly inexperienced in the 15, 15s game, Baby Parsons, but she's 
I don't know. I think you you'd probably. He obviously has his reasons and wants that impact off the bench from her. She's an incredible player, but I think it's a it's an area that there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of pace in the Irish back three. So uh, maybe she will come off the bench when when the game opens up a little bit. But um, would it happen? You know, going forward, um, that she's she's a bench player. She's too good to be on the bench. Yeah. Um, there's obviously some reasons why she's. She hasn't started these first two games. Yeah. Um, the backdrop, obviously, to the game is a huge defeat, obviously, to France in Dublin last year. It's the fact that most of these French players are on some version of a professional contract. It's the fact that, like, only the Ireland 7 players are on any kind of a contract. And even that, reading Clean Foley's piece with Amy Lee Murphy-Crow uh, during the week in The Independent, even that is... is um, not great, to put it mildly, in terms of the sums of money, to the point that most of them would have to have uh, part-time jobs. That's the context to all of this, Quinny. And like you say about like um, a tough task, a, a thankless task in so many ways, and, and like even listen to the language from the coaches and the players and the build-up build up to it, it's almost as if there's an acceptance that the result isn't going to go our way, but we're looking for other benchmarks of performance. Yeah, you have to be realistic. You know, France, uh, as you say, 56-15 last year in Dublin. Um, Ireland beat Wales 45 nil in the in their game over in Cardiff last year. So maybe we'll see uh, that kind of last year's form book ripped up and Ireland going and winning France for the first time. Um, one of the main areas that's you know about performance, Adrian, is it's about getting their set piece right. Um, number of lineouts last week were overthrown. There was a timing issue. It wasn't as if Wales were up contesting each one of those. Um, it's hard in a couple of days to try and fix that, but um, you can. You can certainly make it better. I think dealing with the pressure of France and their physical power, which an area which Ireland struggled last week, um, it's just been a bit shrewder at game management, playing in the right areas. And I think, you know, I think they'll back themselves to, to, to maybe trouble France and score tries. Um, they scored some very good tries last week, so you know you have to be realistic here. It's it's a very very big, tall order. Um, but if you're Greg McWilliams and the players in that group, they've got to be thinking more than just we'll get a performance and this is acceptable. I think they've got to put pressure on themselves to try and you know take it to France and go after them when they have opportunities. But it's pro- there's probably going to be a bit of short-term pain here for, for long-term gain about developing a game plan giving experience to these girls. Um, they're relatively inexperienced, lots of them. Um, so it's another tough task for them. You know, having 6,000 people there last week was was fantastic. France had 14,000 at their game, France against Italy. So this game, they could, it's going to be a very, very, very big, raucous crowd. Um, so they've got to deal with that. It's a new experience for them. But look, ultimately you hope, um, and deep down, they, they will hope that they can get a really good performance and, and score some tries. And But to win the game, it's going to be very difficult. The, the worry now, especially if the results um, isn't great at the weekend, is that the gap actually gets bigger, Alan, right? That the, 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 If you're professional, you know yourself, I assume that you can look at amateur players and say to yourself, well, things are just going to get better and better for me while, while players are, relatively speaking, standing still from other nations who aren't professional. Yeah. There's nothing they can do about that on yeah. only try and get better themselves, you know, because, um, and to be fair, um, 
they're trying not to compare themselves or look at England, France, even what has happened in Wales. Um, I think ultimately they would all hope that at some stage they will be full time and that, you know, being full time. And I know from my own experience of what it does to, to the player and, and it gives you more opportunity to get in better physical condition, learn more about the game, work day in, day out with, with your teammates and you undoubtedly improve. So it's still a little bit of an unplaying, uneven playing field. Um, but I don't think they can focus on that at the moment. Um, you know, they've just got to try and get their own headspace right. And I saw where Greg McWilliams was speaking the press that he wants to be respected and not liked. Um, I think everyone wants that situation as a sports person to try and earn respect. So they've got to earn the respect of each other and make sure they give it everything there tomorrow night and are tactically a little bit better um, that they've learned from, you know, some of the mistakes last week. And it's the same in, in any sport. If you're giving away penalties or, or infringements, you're going to make it more difficult for yourself. So they've got to be more disciplined. Um, their defence and their effort and their their application and uh, desire and everything last week was, was, was brilliant. But they've got to be shrewd in what they're doing as well. And... Um, learn from last week quickly. So it's um, it's a tough, tough situation at the moment, but they've got to stay positive. And I think people should still be positive about them. Hopefully, uh, and this is the hope, that they can be really competitive there and, and make it a close game, at least, if not win it. Obviously, everyone would love to see them go and win there. But um, let's hope they're really competitive and they can give it a good shot. Uh, Leinster Munster obviously is the other thing we want to talk to you about uh, tomorrow night Thoma Park Ro- uh, Roy O'Connor's is storing the Irish Independent this morning that uh, the 27,000 stadium won't be sold out there are several thousand tickets uh, still up for sale is it somewhat surprising in the context of the rivalry it's a home game in Limerick it's a lot of the big international players coming back the eve of a Champions Cup match are you surprised like the timing of it is good is a good uh, slot potentially somewhat surprising that it's not sold out yeah, very surprised. I think I listened to you earlier talking about that, um, reading the headlines in the paper, and I was I was pretty surprised that that is the situation. Um, there's obviously reasons for it. I don't know those reasons. Um, maybe people are rugbyed out after Six Nations. Uh, there's a lot of confirmations, communions on this weekend. Um, I don't know. It's a really good time. Seven o'clock on a Saturday evening for me is 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 a great time, and people you'd imagine we'd be really excited. This game at Christmas was sold out well before we even got near Christmas. I know it's been postponed. It's the postponed fixture, but um, it's a little bit surprising, but um, it is what it is at the moment. Uh, maybe it'll fill up it up d- tonight more. It doesn't um, point to any lack of interest in the fixture, Quinny, does it, in terms of the, like the rivalry? No, I don't there. think so. And and no, no, I don't think so. I think, look, we've and, and to be fair, we've all been uh, talking about, um, you know, getting the internationals playing in this fixture. We've been given out about it over the years that, you know, there's been, it's been weakened by the lack of internationals in the round of Christmas fixtures. So um, all those international players actually having a lot of minutes in their, in, in, in them, in them this season. So they're all pretty fresh. Um, I know it's a, um, um, a very important run in for, for, for all the provinces. Europe is on next week. Um, so I don't know, maybe lots of people are going to the, to the Exeter game or waiting for the European home game, but it is a little bit surprising. But maybe they'll the fill up later on this evening, but still, um, I'm sure the atmosphere will be decent there. Um, 
depending on where the game is going. <laughs> if mm. if Munster start the game well and, and are in the game, um, you never know. They've they've you know obviously I think the last six league fixtures they've lost. It's 2018 since Munster beat uh, Leinster home or away in in the league. Um, so there's two semi-finals and a final in there as well. So it's uh, they're probably badly in need. Maybe people are staying away because they're fearful that um, <laughs> it's just going to be it's going to be a Leinster win. Get out of that! that, that's, that's, that there's, there's no Munster honestly, fan thinking that, is there? Well, look. If you ask anybody who knows about look, Leinster are favourites. They've they've come down here the last couple of times and won the game. Um, Maybe some fans don't want to see that. <laughs> They're sick of it, maybe. But look, Leinster are very strong. Uh, Munster need to turn the tide and win this fixture. You know, when they won last year, um, it was six in a row. Um, is is that not what Munster fans pride themselves on? The, our backs are against the wall. Nobody expects us to do it, particularly against Leinster. And we're going to get out there and we're going to support our team over the line. And that's what we're about. Yeah, it's. I know. I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, they are. Um, and the, you know, my experience of Munster fans over the years has been sensational. It's just been unbelievable to have them behind you and, and supporting you. But there's obviously some other reasons. I don't know. Mm. Um, maybe people will buy tickets today, and there'll be a late surge that will fill up. Um, but um, there probably is a little bit of a fear as well that. I'm sure the twenty thousand that are in there. I don't know how many are coming down from 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 Leinster, um, but I'm sure the twenty thousand that it's been mentioned at the moment that that's how many are sold. It could be more. Um, I'm sure they're they're diehard, passionate rugby fans who want their team to do well. So I'm sure the support will be will be unbelievable there tonight. Anyway, at what point does this be- start becoming like a, a quite a pressurised situation? for Munster in this fixture against Leinster because like of course on paper you, you would say Leinster are better but they're not that much better than Munster on paper when you look at some of the, the, the players that Munster have like it's it's almost about time that this one-sided rivalry starts to turn a little bit It's pressure every time in this fixture I've, I've always said it and lots of former Leinster and Munster players have said it openly as well it's it's a different week and um, you know, it's one you want to win. Um, the, the headspace is totally different. There's there's a buzz and a nervous excitement. Um, I must say, I didn't, even though I love playing in the fixture, I didn't, I, and I've heard players say it as well, that they didn't particularly enjoy the week because it was just some sort of, a different sort of nervousness. You know, when you play big European games or semi-finals or finals, um, there's a nervous excitement and you really kind of look forward and you enjoy the whole thing. I didn't always enjoy this week because I don't know, it was maybe out of a fear of losing the game or just that you couldn't predict what was going to happen, particularly when the teams were probably more even and the results were over and back, if you if you know what I mean. Um, but there's pressure in this fixture every time. I think, you know, Munster have lost six. Um, Leinster, Munster won the Rainbow Cup fixture last year um, to kind of stop it being seven in a row. But that six in a row was was um, the most in this fixture, the most games Munster have lost in this fixture. So I think I've said it every time they've played in the last couple of years, there's, there's pressure and a desperation for Munster to win this fixture. I think Leinster now are probably in a more comfortable headspace as regards, you know, they've got a, a very dominant run going in, in, in this fixture. So there is a desperation and a need for Munster to try and 
um, try and get a result and win this fixture. But you're talking about the quality of of, of players. Um, I think the balance that Leinster have, it's very evident on that there's there's so much depth. If you even look at the team that played against Connacht last week that Leinster put out, um, I know there was a red card with Tom Daly, but the second half performance, the accuracy and the tries they scored, there's probably 13 or 14 players that come into the side um, from that team last week. So it's just, it's and they're all internationals, you know. So um, that top level quality, experience, mental strength um, is there in abundance. And I think Munster are trying to grow that. Um, certain areas, they're a little bit weaker than, than what Leinster are at. So for them tonight, they've, they've just got to, without doubt, and it goes without saying, you've got to bring a physicality to this fixture and a real de- despair, if you like, to try and win it. But you get an opportunity too, you've got to take it. And uh, I think Leinster have taken them in the last couple of years and been more accurate in what they've been trying to do. So um, that, that's what Munster need to do to try and be in with a shout of winning this fixture. There's a real rallying cry from Ronald Agar in the examiner this morning as well. He's um, talking about, he says, and he uh, sort of couches it in the um, uh, bear with me type uh, phraseology, but that the Leinster, uh, the Leinster game for Munster this weekend is more important in the long term than the back-to-back Exeter games. Uh, I don't know. Is it? Um, I'm not entirely disagree, disagreeing with Ronan. I do believe psychologically they've got to beat a full-strength Leinster team um, to kind of turn that page. You know, winning in that Rainbow Cup game last year, Adrian, you know yourself and everybody knows um, that was a sec- uh, second-string stroke, third-string Leinster side. Some very good players in the field. It was a very strong Munster side. Um, and they had a chance of winning silverware. It obviously... Um, <coughs> went pear-shaped after that from and they didn't win the Rainbow Cup. Um, but I think psychologically, yes, you've got to try and uh, uh, turn the, turn that page and, and um, get a different outcome. Um, but I think Europe next couple of weeks as well, if once if Leinster lose, if Munster lose the game tonight, I don't think there's any shame in that. And it's kind of not, not me throwing in the towel either because if I was preparing for this game this week, I'd be incredibly determined to try and win no matter who Leinster put out but I think Europe in the next two weeks is incredibly important as well because you get into a quarter final and if you win those if you get come out of those back-to-back games and there's a lot to take from that as well you're, you're talking about but I think there's there's a lot as well not just the fixture and the league points for for Munster to try and get in the top two they've got to win this fixture They've probably got to got got to go to Kingspan Stadium in in Ulster and win that one as well, um, because at least we forget this is the first of two Leinster Munster games in the league. There's going to be another one in May, um, and you never know they may meet in the knockout stages as well. Um, so, yeah, look, there's a lot of relevance to what he's saying. Mentally, it would be huge. It would be huge if Munster to win this game, but um, Leinster are favourites and rightly so. You're calling it for Leinster, are you? I find it hard not to. Um, I'd love to, and I'd probably call Munster a few times in this fixture. Um, do I feel that this is the one? Well, they're missing players in the back three, Earls, Conway, Mike Haley, I think Thebo as well. So it, 
Uh, and Leinster do and have been very shrewd in their kicking game and hurting their back three and putting pressure on them. Um, when you think what will face them, James Lowe, Jimmy O'Brien, Keenan, you know, the, the two of those guys are starting to the Six Nations. So I, I'd be fearful, particularly in that area. Um, the front row, they obviously have more quality as well there. And, you know, if you're letting, if Dan Sheehan plays and he's running riot, mm. very hard to stop his his flow. So um, you've got to be realistic. I think um, I think Munster will 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 rally and and really throw the kitchen sink in them. And for them, Adrian, to have any chance to get a result, they've, they've got to, you know, if they get a half a break or even a line break, they've got to make sure that they execute because that's where Leinster have been very good in this fixture, just different pressure points, uh, being ruthless when they get into the scoring areas and, and Munster haven't. But I think Munster have a great chance and I think they will, they will run Leinster close in this game. One last one, just to wrap before we uh, before we leave you quickly, Quinny, if you will. Chris Lita uh, off confirmed this week to join Johan van Graan at Bath. Damien Dialande leaving for somewhere outside of Europe. Uh, who knows? Uh, would you have wanted either of those to stay? Um, I don't want to be disrespectful to either of them. Um, I think, given the number of young back rows that have come through uh, that are kind of there now, that there's optimism about John Hadnett, Kendall, Kendall and um, Jack O'Sullivan um, I think you know there's it's no surprise that Chris Clute is gone I think he's he's been a very good servant and anytime I've seen him play over the last number of years he he puts everything in it um, he's had injuries um, and so it's not a surprise he's gone I would I, I think if you if you were keeping one of them you'd love to keep Dialinde um, yeah I know Malachi Malachi Fekatoa is coming in but um, I would have loved to have kept the Alinda there because we haven't seen. Um, I think it was Jerry Tarnley during the week said it, and it's very, it's very true. We, we never really got to know Damien Dialende. Uh, what a wonderful player! And to be fair to him, and neither of those players, you can't fault them for the effort and the commitment they've they've shown and tried to show in, in a monster jersey. But he's world class Dialende, and it's um, he's he's a top class player, but. Hopefully Fekito will come in and, and give them something different and hopefully they're on the right track of of um you know developing their game a little bit. There's still a lot of uncertainty. You know, obviously the coach's announcement it's not gonna come out in April Fool's Day. Hmm. I thought it would come out this week. It was being speculated. So I think it'll probably be early next week where we'll know what you know, who the head coach is and what the plan is going forward. Yeah, I'd normally say at this point of the week, enjoy the rugby over the weekend, Quinny. It doesn't hugely apply to events tomorrow night. Uh, but uh, you're a Connacht man, Adrian. I keep get saying out it, of so. it. Get out of it. Time to time to kill his mic. Good man. Cheers, lads. Thanks, Alan Quinlan, on the line there. It's a nightmare for me tomorrow night. On absolute nightmare. My wife is going out, and I have to put the kids to bed. The match is at seven o'clock. It's a disa- total disaster. Even if it was at eight o'clock, I could get to the bed, get them to bed a little bit early. There's three of them now. It's a disaster. Like there's the idea of a cheese board and wine is totally off the table. If I get to see bits and pieces of the first half, I'll be doing well. The entirety of the second half, I'd be delighted with. Maybe that's the time where the cheese board comes out. I mean, life is really tough. Like that's a, it's a disaster. Yeah, not, like it honestly is. Wine and cheese board, yeah. Even and, to just to sit down and without distraction watch uh, watch the game. Yeah, like I mean, by the game, I mean you got to be careful here. There's cork and ward for people potentially listening. Yeah. The game could be something very different to them. Well, that's you know what I'm talking about. Dara says it's we're talking about the crappy quiz and the return of a past master, a former champion, a, you know. The Yoda of the quiz. The Yoda of the quiz. 
Dara's wondering, it's not Kilban by any chance, the Ackle Jackal. The Ackle Jackal is a very good one. I haven't thought of that one. But it's not him. Uh, Stephen says Raul Morales was pretty good for Chelsea, great, especially in the Champions League game, scoring a goal against Benfica to get us to semi final against Barca and eventually beating Munich in the final. So that's what he's feeling about that one. That's his, uh, that's his take right there. Okay, uh, still loads of comments coming into us, and a reminder that you're watching OTBM. It is uh, 10 past nine Friday morning. We're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We've been promising it all morning. The big reveal, the return to the crappy quiz after these. Chris Bottle. Oh, you're kidding me. September. Kyle Lafferty. Are you no! joking me? Is that right? I know. Is that right? Ah. Anybody else? Leash, was it? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Vassell? Seriously, you all need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? <laughs> 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 Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the shoutiest segment on Irish radio. It's the scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's the splendido crappy quiz. Every Friday we pit three of team off the ball up against each other in a no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. First of all, a shout-out to listener Paddy O'Brien, who left a comment in the YouTube comments of our last crappy quiz video. He said... Can you get more attractive people to take part in this quiz? Too much pastiness on for a Friday evening. So wow. without further ado, allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant is ready to sit back in his chic Dublin studio apartment and laugh at the brutish culchies of Munster trying to take his Leinster boys down this weekend. The Chateau Lynch badge will never taste so sweet. Victory once again for this metropolitan man of modernity. Give it up for Adrian, who's your daddy, Barry. Chateau Lynch, what? Badge. I mean, I know Google. you're saying it with confidence, a good man. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Give it a Google. Sounds like I'd like to have a, Let yourself down there. I'd like to have a lash off that. If anybody wants to send me in a bottle, I'll take it, yeah. Our next contestant was the 16th man for Monaghan last week in their crunch game against Dublin and Clonus. And when I say he was the 16th man, I mean it literally because this contestant in his full Monaghan kit with a number on the jersey had to be wrestled from the pitch as he tried to link arms with his countrymen, his countymen, Ferrara Navin. Give it up for the great miner, Shane Hannan. You lads, trying to live out my dreams through a, a tight player fit jersey. Doesn't work, but uh, I try. I beg to differ. Thought thought you fitted right in with, with everybody. Whose jersey was it? Did you, get, it was like, was that, did you buy that and print that on to make it look like as if you knew somebody? Good good family friend is uh, Niall Kearns, the, uh, the the county midfielder, so it was in tribute to, uh, to the big man. man. Our last contestant today is making his long-awaited return to the quiz after five and a half years, like The Undertaker, waking up at his own funeral. The most furious radio staff member of all time is here to conquer the very game he created. A big warm welcome back to APM, angry producer Mick. Hey, we needed some effects there, didn't we? <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. It's the silence that makes wow. it. It's, it's, yeah, the build-up was a bit ridiculous. I don't think anybody's going to remember my previous uh, escapades in this quiz, except me. Because I was listening a couple of weeks ago and I heard about this league table, this fable league table that someone's gone to a lot of work. And it reminded me of, you know, football being invented in 1992. <laughs> and the crappy quiz wasn't invented when it went onto YouTube. And there's a person missing off that list of winners. And that person is me. And I'm here to right some wrongs. Oh, absolutely. Wow. I was saying to Adrian earlier on, your last question in the quiz was singing Ireland's Call. Oh my God. <laughs> You got, you got the point for it, I think. Am I didn't, actually. I got the last word wrong. I remember, yeah. No, well, the, the, the last line wrong. Uh, that one, unfortunately, not on YouTube, but we might bring that question Isn't back the, in a few weeks' the time. The difficulty of being labelled anger producer Mick five years later in, like, you know, middle-aged, bit more mild-mannered Mick. Yeah. 
mild mannered Father Mick. Uh, the, 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 Father the Mick. We'll just call him Father Mick. <laughs> As ever, the format is the classic crappy quiz with a series of questions on a range of themes, and it's onto the slip and slide of trivia, which is the rapid fire round. You can podcast a crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to click the thumbs up, even if we contribute nothing but misery to your day. Any questions, we'd love to have them in if you send them via postcard to Crappy Quiz Quizmaster off the Ball Towers, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2. Round 1 is the boring questions round. It's never multiple choice. Adrian, who is the top senior international goal scorer that appeared in Stephen Kenny's most recent Republic of Ireland squad? Was he in that squad or not? Oh, yeah. Who are you thinking? He wasn't in it. Injured. You can think out loud. Nobody's going to steal your answer. I am. They're currently thinking out loud without actually revealing who I believe it to be. I'm pretty sure he is, but was he in the squad or not? Of course, is the question. On, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Shane Duffy. No. <laughs> Shane Duffy played against Belgium. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not Shane Duffy. Anyone? Well, I was going to say Shane Duffy. Uh, no, it's uh, James McLean. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. right. Shane Miles Long was the one I thought that you were possibly considering. Sure. Shane Long pledged oh, the, yeah. but uh, no, it seems his international days are done. Uh, Shane, question one for you. Canada have made it back to the World Cup. Can you name any Canadian footballer who has played in the Premier League? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Thomas Rodzinski? Correct. Ah, that, was the, that was the obvious one. There, there was one other that I might have gone for. Junior Hoylet is Canadian. Oh, yeah. uh, yes. The other ones, uh, Scott Arfield, Jim Brennan, Theo Corbinu, uh, Terry Dunfield, David Edgar, Craig Forrest, Simeon Jackson. Craig Forrest. Paul Salteri <laughs> and Frank Yallop. What if you had said, of course, like Begovic or someone who is technically Canadian, yeah. but... No, I don't think you would have agreed. I, have, I think that would have, would have been ruled out, Mick. Yeah, I would have, I would have And rightly so. As you know, the rules are very stringent. <laughs> uh, Mick, your first question. Which county sits atop the National Hurling League Roll of Honour alongside Kilkenny? It's a multiple choice question again, of course, which is an easy sort of reintroduction. Uh, Cork? Tipperary. Tipperary and Kilkenny both have 19 league titles. Not even multiple choice for Mick, it should have been right in his wheelhouse. He's rattled, he's back, his first quiz back, Shannon, he's rattled. And he gave me a hurling question first and everything. Pressure's on, lads. Yeah. Round two is the Birds of Play round after Troy Parrott's 97th minute winner against Lithuania on Tuesday night. <laughs> the answer to these questions will all be a type of bird. Adrian, name the NHL team based in Pittsburgh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Easy. Well, easy for you. Easy for you. As the great Larry would say, but easy if you know the answer, Mick. I'll tell you why it's easy after you don't get it. Pittsburgh, it's going to have to be something like, as I, as I try to rattle through some birds beginning with P, <laughs> Pittsburgh pheasants. No, that's not my answer. Um, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> oh, so we can give multiple answers, can we? Yeah. I'm <laughs> going to go for the Pittsburgh Pelicans. Oh, oh. damn it! Penguins. It's the Pittsburgh oh. Penguins. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in no way related to what I was, but close. So what was your rationale? Alliteration. Uh, yeah. yeah Fair enough. Uh, Shane. Name the Bulls player who won three consecutive Golden Boots in the League of ah, Ireland. Ah, stop! No, that's, a that's a tap in. Get out of it. Uh, Dan Crow. Ah, stop. Right. Shane Hannon's taking a 2 0 lead. So he got multiple choice for his first question. That was like a two yard tap in with no keeper. Mick. Asher, uh, lads, come on. What is the highest flying bird nickname wise in English football, judging by current league position? 
<laughs> That's and he got Glenn Crow. <laughs> I have to I think of I have to think of ninety six words <laughs> or ninety six football teams. Um, was it ninety two? Ninety two. Uh, the Crystal Palace Eagles. Correct. Good answer. I would have gone for the Swans. Crystal Palace Eagles. Uh, round three is uh, the past the parcel of doom round uh, I will explain this for our listeners and potentially for Mick in this round <laughs> all you got to do is give me a name that is on a list of names uh, that I have in front of me and then the parcel of doom passes on to the next contestant who then also has to give me a name from the same list we'll keep moving through the list until one of you gives me an incorrect answer or can't give me an answer at which point you will be eliminated and when two players are eliminated the remaining player gets that point and we do it uh, two more times this so, round brings me out in cold sweat it might be the fact that the studio is <laughs> boiling but on my hand <laughs> Pams are sweatier. Adrian, mm. can you name a city that has hosted a FIFA World Cup final? Um, London. London is cor- uh, correct. Uh, Shane. Um, Paris. Paris is correct. Mick. Moscow. Moscow is also correct. Back to you, Adrian. Uh, Rio. Rio is correct. Shane. Uh, Montevideo. Montevideo, the first one. Woof, good man. Mick. Johannesburg. Johannesburg. Um, New York. No. Was it not New York? It was not New York, no. You're out. Shane? Oh, where um, was that game? <laughs> oh. uh, Gothenburg? Gothenburg is wow. not correct. Oh, yes! Not correct. Mick gets the point. Anything left in the wheelhouse, Mick? Anything you want? That's wanna... irrelevant, though. It is irrelevant. <laughs> uh, the remaining uh, Mexico City. Mexico City would have done. Uh, Berlin, Bern, Buenos Aires, Los Angeles was the answer you were probably looking for, Adrian. Madrid, Madrid Munich, Rome, Santiago, Stockholm. I had Berlin not, and Madrid. Not Gothenburg. Down Stockholm, of course. We should have gone for a while longer there. Like. Writing down things. It's a blank email. On his Wikipedia page, he had Berlin. <laughs> That's and right. Yeah, and I still went for the wrong answer. It was incredible. And Yokohama <laughs> was the other one. Uh, Shane. Oh, I've got no notes for the numbers round later. Oh, oh an, uh, an ex-rookie. That is a real, real rookie. rookie move. Uh, Shane, uh, you're starting us off on this one. Can you name any of the nicknames associated with GEA counties of Connacht or Leinster? Some counties may have multiple names, so once one county appears in an answer, you can no longer refer to that county. So just for brevity's sake, we're only doing Connacht and Leinster counties today. Shane, you're first up. What, what's this? Okay. <laughs> county uh, nicknames. Okay. The Wee County. The Wee Louth. County. Louth, yes. It is uh, Mick, next up. The Faithful County. The Faithful County, yes indeed. Uh, the Royals. The Royals. Um, the Garden County. The Garden County, yeah. The Lake County. The Lake County, oh, Adrian Barry getting gazumped there. Yeah, Tri- the Tribes. Yeah, accept that. Um, the Rossies. Yeah, I'll accept that. Ah, that's just it's a short version of the no, name. No, it's not. It's not. It's, not, it's on the list in front ah, of me. The, the other name for Roscommon, by the way. Come the, on, Bill. Did you know the other name for Roscommon? According to this uh, very reputable website I was looking at last night. The Stone Throwers. Uh, the Sheep Stealers. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Some of these are questionable, including, is it Michael? Yeah. The next one, which is the Yates County. The Yates County, Awful indeed. name. Yeah, that's like, also, uh, you could have gone for the Heron Pickers or the Magpies. Fun fact. The uh, Lily Whites. The Lily Whites. Uh, the cats. The cats. Well, oh, yeah. Did you say football? Or the, no, no, the model? The, no, um, just the, the county in the general, yeah. Loosely associated with GEA. The, yeah, on. sorry, the cats is. It's not really a GEA question, but not really a sport question in general. Nick? The Slaney Ciders slash Yellow Bellies. Oh, that'll work. 
I'll accept mm-hmm. that. The Slaney's Art is actually not written down here, but... Uh, yeah, it's what Marty calls them. Yeah, the model county or the strawberry pickers also would have worked. The O'Moore County. The O'Moore County is right. That's Leash. The Metropolitans. <laughs> that's, I hope no, that's wrong. Come on. Except it. It's, oh, it's, it's on the list in front of me. The Dubs Metropolitans, the Jack slash Jackines, or the Liffey Ciders. The Liffey Ciders. <laughs> I've never heard of Liffey Ciders once ever said. Uh, There's probably hundreds of the Dubs. There's only four left. We're gonna just have like whoever's the, the last remaining person just get knocked out. Um, that was Shane. Mick? Um, I'm running out of counties. Uh, I don't know anymore. Um, Got four counties left. Yeah, I know who they are, but I don't know their answers. Uh, the Grania Whalers. No. <laughs> No, it doesn't work, unfortunately. Mick, you're out. Who's the Granny Whalers? Mayo, Mayo, I presume, is what you're... Uh, <laughs> Granny Whalers. I don't know Easy. any of the four there, left. Um, I don't know Mayo's nickname. Um, uh, but I'm going to go with the Slashers. Correct. Oh, Longford. Oh. Or else the O'Farrell is County also true, though? Because that's like a club. Well, it's... It was on the, the list. It's on his me. list, Mick. I think. Uh, yeah. give it that. Shane? Um... Or three struggling the, the, the Barrow County no you're done you're out Adrian gets the point Thompson. you had uh, three remaining counties Carlo was one of them you could have gone for the Dolman County the Fighting Cock County or the Scallionators is uh, what <laughs> Carlo is uh, Leitrim then uh, the Ridge County or the Wild Rose County and Mayo the Heather County the U County or the Maritime County, County yeah. which I actually hadn't heard with regards to Mayo. So, uh, Adrian, I think Slashers actually deserved the point there if, when it came around. down to good it. Answer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good, good answer, good answer. Uh, Rare Mick, credit. Uh, you're leading us off here. Uh, can you name a player who scored more than one try in the 2022 Six Nations? <laughs> Dan Sheehan. Dan Sheehan is not correct. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Did he not score against Wales? Who's so? next? Oh, no. Uh, it is... Adrian next uh, DuPont DuPont is oh, correct Oh I was only thinking Ireland Sorry Okay Shane um, Jesus this is tougher than uh, Unexpected um, Jesus Oh wow Do you want to just give me the point now and This is this is Adrian's on? round um, he can taste the particular type of cheese he had for each try as well. So, <laughs> uh, I think we have to buzz him out, tap him out. Jack Conan, Conan, no, doesn't work. Oh, no. Uh, so the uh, other fifteen players, <laughs> the shortest round ever. I would have gone for Keenan. Keenan uh, would have been uh, not correct. Would he not? No, uh, it's a player. It feels uh, like she and Anne Keen Keenan both scored more than once. Well, Josh Adams, uh, Capuozzo, of course, uh, Andrew Conway, Gail Fiku, Jamie George, Jamison Gibson Park, Darcy Graham, Chris Harris, Anthony Yolanch, James Lowe, Michael Lowry, Damian Pinot, Marcus Smith, Josh Van der Fleer, and Gaban Villiers were the other players who scored at least one try, more than one try, I should say at the 2022 Six Nations. So, it is a two-all tie as we enter round four, which is the fun-free magic number round. Contestants get three points for getting the number exactly right. If no one manages that, the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets two points. The second closest gets one point. I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper. I'm also going to ask for your pens once the music ends. So if you don't mind, give us the following number. The number of times Mayo have won the Division One Senior Football League this century... 
plus the number of times Leinster have won the Heineken Cup or the URC since Munster last won one of those trophies. And yes, that does include previous iterations of the URC. Plus the number of times Tiger Woods has won the Masters. Plus the number of teams in the League of Ireland Premier Division. Your 30 seconds experiment, Sinatra sings Bright Shiny Beads. Thank you to Ken for dropping me in a pen and paper here. Very important. So, the number of times Mayo have won Division 1 Senior Football League this century, the number of times Leinster have won the Heineken Cup or the URC since Munster last won either of those trophies, the number of times Tigers won the Masters, and the number of teams in the League of Ireland Premier Division. Alright, what have you got? 29. Adrian's gone for 29. Mick? Uh, my numbers don't add up here. I think it's 20... Uh, 25. Carol. 25. Shane? I've uh, gone slightly lower, 21. Wow. We've all gone bust, which means we stay oh, tied wow. to a piece. Oh, no. How do we sort a three-way tie? Monster. I wasn't thinking their US, URC title. Uh, uh, Mayo have... Oh, yeah, I was thinking Heinen Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Mayo have won the Division One Senior Football League twice this century, 2001 yeah. and 2019. Leinster have won eight trophies I had eight. I must since have. Uh, the, the last time Munster won any of those. Um, Tigers won the Masters five times. At five. And then ten teams in the League of Ireland Premier Division. Oh my God. What? That doesn't add up. I should have only been bust by one. But I think oh, I, had I shouldn't have been busted at all. Oh, wait, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. My maths are wrong. My maths You're are totally wrong. wrong. 15, 23, 24, 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. Boom. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and it's because yeah. I added them up wrong. <laughs> Apologies. I was a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit me and my brain doesn't work uh, sort of there. So, uh, Mick, you're on five. Congratulations. You've opened up a three-point lead on, on the lads, which Amazing. makes it No luck involved at all. Apologies. Wait a minute. It was a bit like last week's segment where Orm was going through the permutations of the league in the middle of it went, the exact formula, formula how it was going to all pan out. As far as I can tell, it was a bit like that. I can usually I can usually get my uh, numbers okay. Um, so well, that's not worked out at all well for me right there, has it? That's yeah, no, 25 is the answer and Mick gets three points. We move on to the final. Our winner tonight will be decided in the rounds that separates the men from the boys. It's no theme in particular. Ridiculously easy rapid fire round. So the score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous round. 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions. We're going to start with Mick then onto the person in second we tossed a coin before we came on air if it's Adrian versus Shane Shane wins well, the toss was Hannah not ahead of me Did you? what did you guess? no I if, if somebody gets 21. a bang on nobody oh, else nobody gets, gets points, points. Oh, it's only three points sorry, up Shane. for grabs yeah. doing my best for you there yeah so we start with Mick Thank then you. on to Shane then on to Adrian and if you get a question correct I'll keep asking you questions until you get one wrong and once you get a question wrong I'll move on to the next person and you get deducted a point Mick McCarthy APM on his return are you ready? I am um Oh. Your 40 <laughs> seconds starts now. In what year did Connacht win the Pro 14? 2016. Correct. In, uh, who is top of the Women's Super League right now? Chelsea. Correct. Alex Dombrandt plays for what club? Uh, who? Alex Dombrandt. I don't know. Uh, Harlequins. Johnny Sexton played schools rugby for which school, Shane? Black Rock. No, St. Mary's. Who is the Ulster rugby head coach, Adrian? Um, uh, Mac Dyke passed. <laughs> Dan McFarland. McFarland. In what year did Galway footballers last win the All-Ireland, Mick? 2001. Correct. Name the Ireland women's rugby head coach. Uh, 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 Greg McWilliams. Greg McWilliams. What oh. is David Clifford's club, Shane? Um, um, uh, oh. Oh. That was Mick McCarthy, bad, on his return, oh, gets yes. the job done. I'm annoyed, though, about the Greg McWilliams. Yeah, it's, it's Mark okay. kept coming. Oh, that's perfection. That's perfection. That's perfection.
he wins by distance and he's I still alive. music and everything, yeah. Uh, give us your victory speech. Uh, Owen, I'd like to thank uh, you for as the quiz master. I'd like to thank all the previous champions. I wouldn't like to thank the YouTube guy who wrote me out of history. <laughs> but uh, hopefully now my name goes back onto the roll of honour where it belongs. We have uh, taken out the chisel. Your name will once again be etched into the annals of history of the crappy quiz. Uh, you've been with us here on OTBAM. It's been brought to you by Gillette. Good morning, start with Gillette. With your best face forward with their new and improved razors. Here's what we've got coming up on OTB Sports Radio today. We've got the football kickoff from half past ten. OTB Gold with Jason Sherlock. Uh, from 1 o'clock, Friday Night Racing from 3 o'clock, and then uh, Off the Ball is live on your radio from 7 o'clock tonight. We leave you today in the capable hands of John Giles. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.